Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Special Operations Covert Ops Espionage The Team House With your hosts Jack Murphy And David Park Hello everybody Welcome to the Team House This is episode 110 I'm Jack Murphy here with co-host Dave Park our guest tonight is Jay Newman. He served in the Russian FSB, the Russian Security Services. Uh, he is, for real, one of those scary Russians you keep hearing about in the media all the time. Um, before he defected and came to the United States and now lives here with us. Uh, and, you know, we're, uh, we've interviewed many different people from many different walks of life on this show, uh, people who served as... Uh, Special operators, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, CIA officers. We've never had somebody on here from the other side. So um, I really want to thank you for coming on the show today, Jay. And, and we're really looking forward to hearing some of your, your insights and your story. Um, and yeah, that's true that, that not so many people like me outside Russia who are still alive. So um, really enjoying being here with you. Yeah, thank you. And, and of course, we should uh, mention up front that, you know, you're also an author. Uh, you've worked on a comic book called Red Atlantis that I, I read. And also the comic book right behind you, which my, mine I, I left at home, I'm afraid. But I just read it this week called Almost American, which is it's sort of a novelization of your life story, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, inspired and based on true events. Uh, we try to stay as close as possible to how it was. Uh, specifically in uh, almost American stories starting in the Dominican Republic, but you will see some flashbacks back to Russia, but our main focus is um, about just our journey, my wife and, my, and I. Um, it's just like how two people are going through these um, challenges and some really interesting events here and uh, in Russia as well. Um, and I and yeah, I think it's it's a pretty good read. And Ron Martz is a writer. He's amazing. He's one of the best. He did his great. He did a great job. Uh, what I can say. Um, I guess he found the right way how to tell the story. 
so guys if 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 you like just buy it and uh, you can read it um that's it's really cool well i would like to uh you know have you tell us you know just like we ask all of our guests um what your origin story is kind of your upbringing in russia and what sort of led the way um for your path into governmental service well in the beginning uh pretty old-fashioned way uh it's um uh, like guy from the old boys club um almost not my choice to join the service it was more decision was made for me uh, i can't say i had so many options but kind of yeah i had to go this way um in russia just like in britain and uh early days here in states system preferred to fulfill itself from the system itself uh it's at some point you have some benefits out of it uh, but at the same time you have lots of pressure and uh, um you kind of owe to the system and you have to work twice harder than uh, other people who uh, never had any connections with this um, organization with free letters before um so i uh, right after the high school i went to uh, fsb academy which is former uh, kgb high school i was age between like 16 and 17. um then after five years of training I graduated with specialization as investigator and my specialization investigate crimes and espionage um during my my uh academy years i already went uh in us i'm gonna call it like internship but we're gonna call it as a practice into the active investigative unit so i already from second uh, year uh in academy already was uh, kind of get was involved in some investigations uh as a junior investigator uh or in training uh, it was kind of really cool and great experience so you have to work with the people who are top of the line and especially uh in, in the field of espionage um i met really interesting people let's say who've been sitting on the same uh side of the table as i am and then the opposite side of the table as well so among them some um people who went for training uh here in in, in states and in britain and some people whom they recruited among russian citizens to work for them Mm -hmm. um that's uh, one of the kind experiences and um the kind of really interesting part to be investigator in, in a espionage uh, and, and in contra with the training in counterintelligence you're not only learning the way how to investigate cases you're not just a, a lawyer you are counterintelligence professional at the same time you have to learn basics of methods and techniques basically tradecraft of uh, people against whom you're working mm -hmm. The foreign spies as well and you have to dig down into it a lot uh and more you're working more you're learning so i guess uh so yeah and then um after graduation i spent several years working in, in this unit um honestly it's really exciting work at some point but at the same time it's lots of paperwork and you have to dig into the piles and piles of uh, books and cases and the files it's uh, uh a lot of legal Mm, routine and bureaucracy which kind of not really my favorite part of this work uh so at some point i just kind of decided i want to be an operative i just want to uh, go to the uh, operative unit and work there um and i was transferred uh, i can't say it was easy but yeah decision was made and i was working uh, and assigned as an operative to department uh director at k it's in department of economic security of fsb uh, providing counterintelligence support and work in the line uh, of credit and finance specialization 
uh, precious stones, precious metals, rare materials, radioactive materials. Yeah, if if I can uh, just pause right there for a moment to kind of get some um, get the audience up to speed, make sure you know. Even I'm sure I'll learn something here. If you could take a moment to just talk about the different um, agencies and bureaucracies within the Russian security apparatus, the FSB, SVR, GRU. Um, so if you could lay that out a little bit, because it's not the same as the CIA, FBI, DEA, the, the, the agencies we have in America are just kind of different in so many ways. So I was wondering if you could kind of at least give us a thumbnail sketch of what these different bureaucracies do. Well, I mean, I can't say any, not much about the GRU, uh, just military intelligence. They are extremely classified and uh, protective about what they do and where are they doing. We even have a joke about that. that uh, in FSB, you're pretty sure, operative, you know what's going on in other unit. In SVR, people don't know what's going on in the nearby desk. And in uh, GRU, they have no idea what the hell they're doing at all. <laughs> That's just, but but it's, it's, it's kind of a joke. But reality is they are top-notch professionals. And uh, uh, GRU guys are pretty effective. Um, but I kind of, I, when, I never worked with them. So don't know much about it. Uh, as, as for SVR, it was a former... Uh, main directorate one inside the KGB system, so primarily focus on uh, illegal operations and illegal intelligence outside the Russian Federation. Uh, as for FSB, it's more, um, you can't compare it with FBI. FBI is, uh, has some functions as, a, as an FSB, but overall FSB uh, ability of work and the way uh, job is done is more like internal CIA, if you want to refer to, to, the, um, to the United States. Um, so uh, if, besides that, FSB is doing some work outside the Russia as well. I guess it's not maybe a surprise for some people, but uh, I guess people who are in the topic, um, they knew about it from the Cold War era. Um, so second main directorate and uh, nowadays the FSB itself doing some work outside the Russia as well. Um, primarily, of course, focuses on counterintelligence, uh, but counterintelligence not just uh, trying to catch some foreign spy, um, but providing counterintelligence support for all lines um, of kind of government, all, all the branches of government uh, in, in Russia, uh, and including business entities as well. So as for kind of what I was doing specifically, uh, you working as a counterintelligence operative in a line of finance, credit and finance. So uh, people might think that what the hell spies can do with the credit and finance, how this related to some art and some pressure metals, pressure stones, or some rare, uh, rare materials. Uh, but you guys would be surprised, but there, there's a lot of the spy activity in this area as well. Uh, and there are a lot of uh, tension, and there are a lot of state secrets which you have to protect, and a lot of guys who are trying to get the secrets uh, from your country. Right. Um, as a job, as a main job, you're not just sitting with some paperwork or you're not working as an accountant, just going through uh, some text uh, forms and files. No, you basically creating your own network of sources and uh, informants inside your line of work. Uh, so you have to recruit Russian citizen and a foreign citizen as well. Um, in, in my case, it were businessmen, some art dealers, people who've been involved in uh, producing and creating some really expensive jewelry. Uh, people who've been working with uh, pressure, pressure uh, stones, like diamonds, for example, diamond dealers. Uh, you have to recruit them to work for you. Uh, and of course, uh, you are kind of main focus um, and the main task for them, 
you need information about potential spy activity from other countries as well. Um, maybe guys are trying to infiltrate Russia through them. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of overall view, <coughs> like in, in, in a brief form without going into any details. But you are creating your own network of uh, sources working for you. And uh, um, by the way, as a terminology, when I am saying agent, I mean the source. In Russian terminology, agent is a source. It's not uh, someone who's working for the state. Um, as for recruiting, that's a really interesting moment as well. Uh, people, I'm sure they don't know, but I mean, with the FBI, uh, it's more like a legal contract when they are recruiting informant work for them. It's uh, some several, at least like five, six, whatever it is, 10 pages, uh, and they have to prolong it every year and, and such and such. With an FSB, uh, it, it calls подписка or subscription. Basically, it's a life a term subscription. It's uh, um, there's no such thing as a contract. Uh, you working with this with the, um, a person or candidate whom you want to recruit. This might take some time, uh, from several months up to a year or so, even longer. Uh, then finally, when person is ready and you think he's or she is ready to be recruited, you're going to approach her and uh, person supposed to write down with his or her own hand on a piece of paper just one paragraph that they are willing uh, to cooperate with Russian state security agency on a, based on a moral patriotic base or some any other base if they want. Uh, they are willing to provide information, follow the tasks, um, then basically keep the all information in secret and then just signature and uh, uh, code name which they want to use for uh, communication. That's it. And then if, yeah. they, if they don't volunteer to do that, do you do you have the authority to have a very long discussion with them until they decide that it's in their best interest to volunteer? No, you're not going to push anyone to do so. Uh, it's like signing with the devil. Basically, a person's supposed to make a step voluntarily, so you have to do it. You have to make a choice on your own, uh, and you no, no one gonna uh, try to push anyone to sign anything. Again, based on what I saw, what I learned, what I was doing, you have to study person first, like profiling. You're collecting the information, you're going through the old background, him, her, uh, full family backgrounds, puzzles, I suppose everything. So uh, whatever you can take, even medical record works. So you need to figure out everything and know everything about the person. Uh, then might you're going to engage into, uh, it's, it's like a different form of art, how mm -hmm. to build this relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on the age of being friendly and a business. So you know that you're going to use this person in uh, for, for, for your state and person supposed to do some things uh, at some point maybe risk uh, their life as well um, so you are developing relationship you're studying person you're learning who, who this person is and after all when you think it's a uh, person is ready you're gonna approach uh, with such offer and then it's up to a person sometimes you person gonna say I'm willing to cooperate with you guys I'm more than happy to uh, be helpful for the state and what you guys are doing. And this is related to foreign citizens and Russian citizens as, uh, as well. Uh, but I don't want to sign anything because I'm just afraid for my life and I'm afraid that my something goes wrong. Uh, in this case, it's fine. Person can stay as a trusted contact. Uh, but again, this should be negotiated and discussed between operative and his supervisors. But after all, some people are cooperating without signing anything. Or they're just going to stay in the status of just a candidate for recruitment. Um, as long as you want, as long as you need. So, Jay, when you said that uh, you didn't have much choice, that you know, that at a very at a younger age, that this was your direction. 
I mean, I've seen the movies. We've all seen the movies. Like, were you taken from your family at birth, <laughs> raised in a lab, in an academy? Yeah, uh, no, no Marvel and DC movies. No, uh, no, no. That, that's disappointing. No, it's yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what? What? How? I mean, it's basically at some point your choice as well. You're going to have an option. Uh, it sounds like. We think that you voluntarily should and must go and join. Right. In this case, you have to say, well, I think I might, I don't know, but okay, we'll do it. So, do they, uh, do they start you, doing their assessments? acquiesce to party wishes. Right. Do they, do they start doing their assessments like at a younger age? Is it sort of based on intelligence and aptitudes and things like that? that I think it's, I, I do think it's my opinion. And, uh, and as I know, like what I read in the recent articles in the US, they're trying to do the same thing right now, just to get people into the intelligence service uh, as soon as possible. Uh -huh. Because in this case, uh, and give them as much as possible education f f within the intelligence system. Because in this case, from the younger age, you will adopt to the rules, um, uh, culture, and traditions of organization. And mm -hmm. you, from the beginning, when you're fresh, when you um, never seen anything like before, like let's say you never went to the college before, but you just ended up, uh, you've graduated from the high school, that's the perfect timing to take you. You're just fresh, you open, your mind is open, and uh, they can put whatever they want in it. That's very so they, interesting. They're they designing people for um for the service the way the way they want they the way they see it and i i think again my personal opinion that's a pretty right uh, approach um it's just like you have kids uh, who are going uh into the military academy so like a cadets mm -hmm. so they're going level by level and uh, then um for the higher education so here is absolutely the same approach which is i think it's pretty smart and uh, pretty, pretty effective as well so when did you start your like official fsb training and what was that what was that initial training like and then did you guys split off uh to, for your specialties like how does the whole thing work well i mean initially you have to go through uh several layers of clearance uh some psychological evaluation uh some bunch of the tests and this is going to go a year before uh the academy uh it's it's a it's kind of it's it's a ch i mean Look, when they told me you have to go and you have to join, it doesn't mean that I will be accepted. You still have to go for the uh, entering exams as well, for evaluation, for tests, and just go for the exams, same as uh, other guys uh, too. Uh, when I was going through this process, I think, if I'm not uh, mistaken, they had like over uh, 20 people uh, on, a, on a spot. So like you, you have to compete with 20, 20 guys. Um, some of them are better than you are at something, some of them are not. So, but you have to go through this process too. Um, so, uh, initial evaluation, which is goes when you're while at school, like last year at school, you, still, you have to go through this process. Uh, lots of recommendations they have to collect. Uh, at some cases, they're going and interviewing even your teachers and people who've been around you while, while you was in school. Um, I guess no secret here as well, and uh, in states happening the same thing, um, same as in Britain, as I know. Then, um, when you Kind of pass through the first layer. Uh, you have to go through maybe pre uh, academy uh, like a training program. It's about a year as well, just to understand the um, what you're gonna face during the entrance exams. Um, then um, after that, uh, if, if everything is fine, you are kind of healthy mentally, physically, um, and uh, you are willing to learn. You're gonna go through the um, entry exams 
it's um it's a several like it's about a two weeks long process um if i'm if i'm correct because guys it was so long ago i'm not sure it was one week within one week is done or two weeks um again guys this was 1996 that might change right now sure so it's just my personal experience i can't say what's going on right now um uh then you have to go through this exams and it's not like abc tests what we've been going through it's uh, um it's an exam when you have uh, a ticket and a, and a ticket uh, you have to or it randomly pick you have like tickets on a, on, on a table they're just upside down you're going to pick one there are several questions in it plus the technical task uh and it's all related like russian language russian culture uh literature history uh language foreign language um some basics of, on, on the legal stuff um and i think it was something else as well so and then you have a written exam as well so when you get a ticket you have to prepare then you're going inside the room uh five more guys like you sitting there plus the commission it's not just one teacher it's like four or five teachers so then it's your turn you're gonna go you have to talk to them they're not expecting for you just to give them abc so you have to talk and express and express an answer on all these questions after that uh if they're not satisfied or even they even they're satisfied they most likely gonna grill you through the whole thing so they're gonna ask you a bunch of the more questions not within your kind of ticket but uh something outside as well just they want to see your overall view knowledge uh, and uh, um basically how well you are educated and how, how deep you are in, in your knowledge um so then going for that um uh, then like all the tests have uh, uh done physical examination like you have to do run how it was running pull-ups and so, some other things uh all of this uh and all this like a points you have to collect some amount of points uh after this kind of if, if you're matching the criteria uh then it's good to go then i'm gonna put everyone in one room uh and gonna say who has got how many points and then basically if you are in this pool of people who reach the um level you're in so from this moment you already uh belong to the state uh, by all means um you have a few weeks just to reset and then it's going to be the uh basic military training course which is like a basic boot camp if as you guys as you wish so you're going to go just run some wear some military uniform some boots some do stuff on a, on a platz, um, just kind of marching back and forward, just trying to learn this whole thing. Um, running with the AK all around the place, doing some kind of a basic orientation thing. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not much of the difference between what's going on here and there. It's just like, it's a basic bootcamp. Um, it's, yeah. So you have to just get a feeling of what military guys are going through, but uh, but in in, um, in our case it's pretty quick and pretty short and uh, just just for fun. It's like Boy Scouts club. All the guys in the, in the age of the whatever, seventeen and eighteen just kind of yeah running around with the rifles and uh, enjoying some scream from the officers and so on. And so yeah, that's uh, I mean you you have to live in the in the barracks. Um, uh, then go into the uh, field training. You have like in a big tent. You you have to use the uh, pine tree uh, um, like branches on which you can you're gonna you're gonna sleep on the floor. So kind of yeah, that that's kind of really pretty cool, interesting experience. I guess the uh, the only one unpleasant thing we because it was on the field camp with the uh, it was dusty, uh, really humid and sunny. 
you the, the only um, way to get a shower is just basically go and swim in the tank pond. The other <laughs> tanks are going for it. So that was the, the only way just to abandon. But it's it's quite unhealthy because the when tanks are going through, they have the oil, you have, you, you have some gasoline spots on it. So yeah, it's uh, um, that was interesting. Uh, plus, back again, 1996, it was uh, really entertaining. They used um, uh, tanks just to drive over people. So you have to uh, get in, in a hole. Some of them, I mean, if it's not like a full-size one, that's your lucky one. So you just can uh, sit in it, which is okay. But if it's a flat one, and if you're a tall guy, that's kind of a tricky. <laughs> because you see this whole thing is just going on you. And uh, I, I'm not sure what was the model back, back then. It's like, I mean, maybe like T55, super noisy, old one. And uh, um, I, you, I, I still remember, like, they have this nightmare. There's one of the tracks on the side. Because tank, tank was all like, it was going a bit slightly on the side. You can see how it is, like, it's, it's rolling side. So it's making you like really, literally freak out. You just want to get out of it. Uh, and there's no purpose for you to sit inside this hole, but kind of you have to go for it. Um, it's kind of it's fun. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it, yeah, it's hard to explain. Like you have this huge, where is how many, like 20, about 50, whatever, 60 tons machine just going in the front of you. And that, that's, uh, that's quite one of the kind of entertaining entertainments. Um, so after that you're done with this uh, uh boy scout stuff you're gonna go join the academy so first year just basically introduction you just learning uh what this is about of course inside we've been wearing the military uniform so we are not agents we are future officers and here we cadets um you're just going through a bunch of the different things uh but because it's a uh, uh, like five year long process you at the same time getting your uh, master's degree as well. So I got master's in law. So you, it's, it's a combination between the uh, some uh, trade craft, uh, some basic military training, uh, and uh, legal school, like a law school. Um, it was kind of it's pretty interesting. So at the same day, you, you might have like multiple disciplines and multiple um, uh, subjects, and you have to switch quick as quick as you can. To, to the different ones just to reset yourself and understand what's going on uh there are a bunch of the disciplines basically almost without name it's called like a special special discipline one special discipline two and so on so you have to memorize what this is about it's like a history of uh, intelligence operations or hundred intelligence operations some specifics how for example americans are working how american special force are operating um how russians are doing this and so on it's kind of it's cool it's really interesting it's uh, um and then we're going year after year uh, i'm not sure we have to go like day by day for it but after five years you're really happy that you're done with it and uh, uh you are of course during this uh five years we'll, we lost some people uh they just left because it was too much or they were not able to pass the um, exams and uh, tests after uh, every six months so you're starting in, in september um in january february you have to go through the exams it's like half uh, half year exams and the tests and then in uh, uh, may you have to go through another uh a, a series of exams so sometimes you're losing people sometimes not of course they're going to give you a chance to try it again and just uh kind of reset yourself like do your job and uh, do homework and step into the world of power loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Go again and again. Uh, you have like two attempts and then third one it's done. Almost. Because, I mean... Um, interesting thing was that you are going into the academy. It's not just like a college. You can go in the morning and just leave middle of the day. You're basically going there about 8 a.m. in the morning or 7.30. And you are leaving this place around uh, 6 or 7 p.m. If you don't have any duties to do so because it's sort of like a semi-military training as well you have to do same thing as the guys are doing in a military camp so you have to kind of uh, be on a duty cadet so you have to do some kind of a cleaning whatever is washing uh carrying books back and forward doing some something which is seems um no use for it but <laughs> and if you 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 have to like that's part of the drill you can't ignore it because everyone else is doing this um, and it's, at the same time, it's kind of a team building as well. Back in 1996, I'm not sure again how it is right now. It was more old-fashioned Soviet way to do it. Uh, we even had some uh, duty things on the kitchen. So basically, you have to clean the dishes and wash it and just wash the floor. So like, just like in a military thing. So old-fashioned way. Um, uh, quite unpleasant, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, military training was kind of cool and interesting. Specialization was more... was guys no offense but how to catch you guys if you penetrated our lines so kind of our job was as a contrail guys if it's a wartime or war zone or something uh, to be able to organize some kind of a small scale military operation uh to catch some intruders as the rangers delta navy seals and so on so this kind of was interesting too interesting game very interesting um, yeah we even had a joke about this i mean um uh, in, in each game, you have to switch um, uh, kind of to play for red and play for blue, uh -huh. right? And then uh, a joke, it's not, it's not what we'll have in our case, but again, it's, it's kind of it's our joke from, from within the academy. So after kind of doing this back and forth for about uh, several classes, one of the cadets asked the teacher, uh, sir, why are we switching sides back and forward, like red and blue, red and blue? He said, you know, based on our line of work as intelligence, you never know whom we have to help, Republicans or Democrats. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so kind of, well, kind of, well, after all these five years and it's a lot of, it was a lot of fun and a lot of uh, not fun things. So you, you've done with it and uh, you're going to go to the um, place where you, you will be uh, assigned uh, after the academy. Inside the academy, of course, you have some, uh, not everyone is doing kind of the same thing. You have guys who specialization, just investigators, people who trained as an operatives, uh, people who trained um, as a IT specialists and so on. So it's, it's kind of it's different branches. Um, IT guys, they're really special. So it's, um, they're not really good at sports. So if operatives and investigators guys are pretty good with some martial arts, some swimming, running, and some doing some crazy things uh kind of guys from the it department they've been not really um athletic put it this way um so and they they even had like their separate part of the building which uh they're never gonna let us goons go inside 
so they kind of that's uh yeah that's uh that's that's where they had all the um doritos and mountain code red mountain dew <laughs> well almost yeah but i mean you easily can recognize them guys with the uh, with the big uh, glasses walking so yes 100 percent the guy from the uh, it department yeah so um there are just some universal things i guess yeah. you know oh well, i mean yeah this even jokes are the same when i was later on working here uh with kind of consulting with the local guys absolutely the same thing so that's with the it's a huge difference between the operatives uh and the uh, it department like that's and that's exactly how it how it was there as well so even jokes the culture absolutely the same thing so i guess it's uh because of the same line of work it's I, i'm yeah. not sure how to explain it yeah and so um, you then go yeah, through the counterintelligence uh, portion of the training. That was your specialty. Yes, uh, but with some real specifics. So to be investigator, mm -hmm. so that um, you're not just only trained as an operative because they more focus on the footwork work um, on the ground. Uh, my work is more focused on uh, um, how to investigate these cases. So mm -hmm. like, operatives basically working with the material they are looking searching for information on the ground they have to identify the threat uh then kind of put all the tools what they have translators uh surveillance uh technical surveillance whatever it is they can just on, on the subject uh collect all this information uh then evaluate it discuss it with us if we think as investigators uh if this is more than enough to launch the case uh, open the, the real investigation so which later on is going to go to the court uh then it's good if not they're going to keep doing uh, do, do more work uh then the, when you as investigator taking the materials it's in i mean especially in espionage it means for the person whom they've been investigating the game is over so because um uh, fsb and the way we've been trained and the way the guys working i guess right now as well always was focused on uh, uh espionage cases so if uh someone is busted he is busted so it means that he was and we uh, we're gonna do our best just to um get this person right-handed so mm -hmm. in the act of of espionage this could be different forms mm -hmm. maybe someone is doing the dead drop someone is meeting someone someone is transmitting the signal uh someone is staking um some kind of uh, information from the height whatever it is so it's supposed to be really 100 percent clear case if, if um i mean if it's happening it's happening so um no one is gonna do or try at least try not to do anything which can compromise the case or um make it kind of unreliable i guess um so if everyone is focused on to achieve the as, as kind of sorry as best result as possible that's really interesting i mean did you have did they have the same type of evidentiary standards with the kgb and and this the follow-on question to that is did were there guys still left over from the kgb who had sort of a different mentality well, I mean, it, it, that's kind of interesting because in 1996, there are still lots of the guys from the uh, KGB service, yeah. which was really great because you have to learn from the best, which is, I mean, really a fantastic experience. Uh, as it stands right now, of course, there are less and less of them, but maybe some of them still exist. As the teachers, yes, of course, they will be uh, still in the system. Um, 1996, you have to understand what it was in Russia. Uh, 
it was absolute mayhem as basically no state exists as, as, as it was so um, country was falling apart uh, country was run by Yeltsin and his gang as my personal opinion I consider him as a godfather of Russian corruption especially based on what I saw later on in the financial operations um, country was in the age of the civil war first Chechen campaign which was basically civil war um, then bunch of the instability within the country uh, extremely um, active organized crime groups our country was uh, ripped off by the oligarchs and um, corrupted government officials from the Yeltsin administration and local guys like the regionals all around the country as well uh, people thought that there is no such thing as future um, and the internal feeling was that the country goes uh, Russia itself uh, to fall apart just like Soviet Union mm -hmm. that was a feeling in the air it was really dramatic time for country um, I honestly I do think and uh, I spoke with the guys inside the system as well uh, I think estimate Russia uh, itself plus the former Soviet republics what through the process of 90s like for this time and through the collapse of the Soviet Union lost more people than during the World War II because so many families been destroyed um, some cities and um, some towns been just wiped out They're just because this, uh, a factory was closed so people lost everything and there is no future at all it was it was i guess uh equal to what was happening here in states during the great depression uh -huh. maybe even worse um so in it was insane kind of unknown situation inside the organization as well yeltsin was pathologically uh, afraid uh, of uh, fsb and kgb guys um, they never trusted him as well uh, when I was in service uh, it was lots of rumors uh, when I just joined the service uh, that FSB might be part became part of the uh, MVD that some units inside the FSB like special ops guys been moving back and forward and Yeltsin tried to kind of destroy them and put them inside the uh, police system um, they've been changing name we've been sitting without salary for like four or five months which was yeah guys it was it was mess i mean some people who saying that it was like a great time of 90s they just i mean my personal opinion if i can say the bad word is just morons because they i mean that's uh they never seen what was happening inside what how it was um so salary if you can imagine the uh, officer uh lieutenant who just uh joining the service his salary was about like uh, 80 to 120 bucks a month some person who was selling uh, cell phones in some nearby kiosk can make $400, $500 a month. So on this 120 bucks, you have to uh, feed your family, you have to pay rent, you have to pay, which was almost impossible. So imagine that what was happening in the country was creating this... Um, being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Kind of a strange situation when uh, 
officials inside the FSB and, and uh, other services, they understood that people basically can survive on, on what the government is paying them. Mm -hmm. So just to allow them to survive, they uh, close their eyes on some kind of activity uh, outside the main job as well. Right. So guys got involved into some kind of uh, um, got a private gigs and uh, working as a surveillance or protective teams or uh, security teams for oligarchs or rich businessmen or even organized crime sometimes. Or, or of course, I mean, as a counterintelligence agent, it must have made been mayhem for you because right. that opens up the, for these guys for CIA for recruitment or, yeah. or any other intelligence service around the world. Yeah. Uh, 90s, yeah, 90s, it was absolute disaster. Plus, imagine with the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, how much information was lost. Uh, uh, Gorbachev and the Yeltsin guys, uh, well, I don't go into politics, I'm not commenting on the politics, but anyways, so the point is, um, uh, KGB uh, and, of course, FSB, uh, after it lost a lot of uh, capabilities uh, and uh, um, ability to work, uh, in Russia itself, uh, it was like disconnection of what the service was doing compared to the reality of what's going on. Of course, all these intelligence services from all around the globe were operating in Russian soil. That was kind of, I mean, it, it's obvious. Um, uh, they still had some pressure from the FSB. And if you look at the statistic, uh, which is really interesting, I guess, I'm, I, I, I may be wrong, but several years ago it was article released uh, I'm not sure it was translated into into English, but maybe it was about how many um, arrests and how many uh, espionage cases uh, been accomplished and done by FSB during the 90s. And honestly, uh, I was really surprised. I mean, I, I saw quite a few of them, so I I knew that uh, it's pretty effective and they're still doing the job, but the numbers are just crazy. So so many people been arrested on Russian soil. Not that many foreign spies. Uh, but as for Russian citizens uh, who've been convinced in a, in a treason or espionage for the foreign country, that's that's yes. And, and only one reason was because people, I, I guess the main motive was just to survive, to make some money. And they didn't believe that a uh, country is going to survive, survive itself. Right. Uh, and they felt betrayed. That was uh, I, kind of, I had all of us, we had the same feeling that we've been betrayed by people whom we believed all these years. Right. Like, imagine they've been uh, teaching you uh, these former commie, uh, communist party leaders overnight became oligarchs or turned right. out and became, became like liberal democrats overnight. But for the past like 20 years, they've been... Uh, uh, Marxism. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of... That was mind-blowing completely. Um, and... Um, Realistically, the majority of the guys who became extremely rich uh, with some communist party experience, like behind it, uh, I consider them just a, basically they were parasites when they've been uh, inside the inside the communist party because they never done anything, but they had everything for doing nothing, right. just for talking some nonsense. Uh, and then uh, after the collapse of the um, Soviet system, they just Im immediately switched the side and they. Um, Utilize the knowledge, uh, privileges, and uh, um, uh, some kind of um, connections which, which, yeah. which right. they had just just to become rich. So they they are not like whatever it is Elon Musk or Stephen Jobs or um, uh, Bill Gates. They never created anything on their own. Right. They stole this guy. They stole it. So you kind of you can't consider them as a businessman, anyways. So uh, in 96, 97, 98, it was 
1999 and early 2000s was quite a disaster. So you just when we talk about the service, so we have to understand under what kind of pressure people were inside and were inside the system as well. Yeah. So kind of they have to, they know and we all knew what we have to do and for what, but at the same time, you kind of losing this connection with the state which you have to protect. Right. Because state is basically doesn't care about you at all. Right. You were doing this for Russian people instead of just the state itself because state betrayed you. Right. And I mean, in addition to the instability and the oligarchs, you're also almost in this running gun battle with the president. And so, I mean, you guys, it's, it's almost like you guys are these redheaded stepchildren left out to left out to dry and like do this job but you get nothing for it not even a paycheck yeah that's kind of yeah delays on the salaries and um uh, no social guarantees at all um not even opportunity to get like let's say an apartment uh from, from this like something like where you can live because back in that back back in days it was no anything like a program when you can get a loan and just buy a house no you can forget about this the only way you can do it is just only get a cash then right. you can buy it Wow. Or you have to wait for a state till state can give you money or give you the place where you can live. Uh, but so it was so much corruption involved from the state. And they, it was almost like a um, mission impossible just to get anything from the country, from the state. Right. Not from the system because you can't blame on FSB system itself because they are really relying on the state and the state budget and the financing from them. So, right. yeah, it was um, on, a, on a technical aspects. Uh, to get some kind of really uh, high-end equipment into work, we still had a few things, uh, but majority, of course, been coming uh, still were like remains from the uh, what was KGB was using. So that was an, uh, the, the first. We saw the first difference, uh, the transition from uh, this Yeltsin's disaster into that something is going to change. Honestly, I'm not kind of promoting the guy, uh, but when uh, Putin became head of the FSB, right. I guess just because he, he himself went through this, through this 90s. Um, again, no comments at all. Um, but he was kind of, he gave this hope to organization. Mm -hmm. And you even can see the change, the attitude change, uh, the mood change inside the organization itself. Right. Besides the kind of the social and economic problems inside the uh, country and organization, you also should understand that how reputation was destroyed for the 90s. Right. So uh, with this Gorbachev's glassness and uh, whatever this was, perestroika, uh, balalaika and, and, uh, and Russian doll thing. So uh, it's uh, basically, it was a huge uh, informational attack on uh, Russian intelligence services and the counterintelligence services almost immediately. Because with the uh, idea that now we can say whatever they want, besides the saying the truth about uh, some great purge and some repressions in, in, in the 30s and 40s, the people immediately forgot about what service was doing even during the World War II, how much, how many lives intelligence, counterintelligence personnel sacrificed uh, for the country. Right. All of this was just wiped out immediately. That's it, not exist. And how? from this moment, you, you, you look like you just like basically, uh, whatever it is, like henchman or vampire who is just kind of trying to kill right, people right. For, for no reason. Yeah, right. uh, it was... Uh, absolutely insane uh damage for uh reputation and organization and of course for um like us 
to understand who we are and why we're doing this job. Right. Uh, it, it was sometimes. Um, it I guess it was ninety seven, ninety eight. We've got uh, when we were in academy. Some guys been traveling in uniform uh, from home to academy every morning and then going back home. We've got a special order: uh, do not use the uniform outside. It was dangerous. Wow! Wow! So yeah, it was a bunch of the attacks on the people in uniform. Uh, it was that was was so much uh, hate and instability in the air. And of course, police was corrupted as hell, so kind of you can't rely on them at the right. same time. Do you know how Putin managed to become the director? Because with Yeltsin being so afraid of the FSB and, and those units, I mean, Putin well, was it's, not. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Russian miracle on ice thing, so no one knows. So yeah. that, that's just like that's one of the kind. That's one thing in the century. Um, I have no idea who made this decision. Yeah. Who kind of. Um, and maybe they miscalculated. Maybe they thought that he will be the guy who is going to uh, just basically like a Gorbachev, just kind of put the nail inside the uh, coffin of the country. Uh, maybe it was a mistake, or maybe someone inside finally understood that it's enough. It's enough. We have to stop ripping this off. We have to stop stealing. We have to stop just destroying it. We have to kind of reset it and save it. I don't know. Like that's that's a great question, and I kind of I have no answer at all. Um, yeah. And again, back then, the main goal for everyone was just to survive and at the same do your job. Mm -hmm. so you need to find a balance how to do it. Can you tell us then about the, you, you, you kind of got there and then we sort of backtracked, but about making that decision become an operative. Um, and, and about what, what year was that and then what did that entail uh, from then on out? Uh, well, I mean, as you're working as an investigator, you always kind of guys, operatives coming to you. Uh, because you have the, their case, their files, you have the, all the materials. They kind of uh, um, you the you the guy who is in charge right now, and they have to go to you, um, and you have to ask them questions. And if you they need you need to do some extra work, you're gonna send requests to them, and they're gonna uh, they have to go and just do it for you. Um, and of course, I met a lot of them, and it was kind of really cool to chat. Uh, and um, I. As the age of 22, 23, you imagine that it's not your dream job uh, to sit inside the shoebox with a bunch of papers, uh, even if it's super classified and it's like the top clearance you have, but that is not what you want to do, that's for sure. So kind of you, um, and the difference between people who are sitting inside the detention center, uh, even it's not like, again, not a Marvel and DC stories. So it's not a dungeon. It's like no one is uh, hanging on the walls and just no one has got beaten like 24-7. No, that's it's more like a two-plus uh, stars uh, resort, by the way, with one of the best libraries in the country. Here's the reason why. Uh, uh, Lefortova um, exists for several hundred years, and uh, um, it is a tradition. People who ended up in Lefortova, and all of them like white-collar uh, guys, or spies, or politicians, or uh, some kind of political activists, uh, or scientists and engineers who've been trying to s uh, sell s uh, secrets to the foreigners, they've been all receiving books from their family members or their colleagues. People have been reading this. As a tradition, they've been leaving books behind when they've been released or transferred in, into uh, some other place. So basically, of all these years, the really great collection of books been uh, kind of settled inside the Defortiva. So if someone like a spy or someone else ended up there, you potentially within uh, sitting a year sitting there, you can get a second degree. 
that's just kind of, that's easy. That's amazing. Based, based, based on just a library and the access to the books and it kind of, yeah, book, books are amazing. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's the only, only good thing about this. Um, so I was just, I just got bored uh, and it was, I was looking for some action. It was kind of cool thing. And again, we all imagine that, okay, you have like a, a business suit, you have a gun, you have a, a, a FSB credential and you're going to do some really cool work for your country. So maybe I should uh, transfer to the operative. Plus, I want to work with people. So instead of papers, uh, it, it's better to be around like real life people with whom you can just chat and uh, interact and uh, after all recruit. Um, so yeah, that's um, kind of, uh, I ask, can I, can I be transferred? And uh, they gave me only a few options and I pick, uh, but all of them like within the same department, credit and finance. So kind of I, I, I picked the unit and uh, they just spoke with the boss. I had a meeting, um, seems like they're okay with me and kind of it was no, no kind of negative reaction. Uh, but they put only one condition that I have to start, because if you're transferring from investigative department to the operative unit, you have to go with the promotion because investigators kind of sort of like higher uh, than uh, operatives. But in this case, kind of boss was old operative who served a uh, career inside the KGB, told me if we're taking you, then you have to start from like a ground zero. So which I can say, okay, fine, why not? Um, it would be fun. So um, yeah, and um, transfer was completed and I started work in this unit. And it's, it was kind of, it's interesting. So I was uh, stationed downtown Moscow, uh, building next to the main headquarter building. So to the old uh, stock market market building. And uh, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's cool. It's, it's completely different. It's, uh, uh, but started again from the books again. So when I ended up in the office, they gave me my desk. It's only uh, three people in the room. I got my own old rusty uh, safe box with all this kind of um, uh, old cases in it uh, and files. So they basically just gave me a key and they said, you have to accomplish it all within like two weeks. Just go ahead reading. Uh, and now you have to forget about everything what you've been doing as an investigator. Now you have to just kind of get into the, into the uh, operative work. So yeah, kind of, I spent, my beginning was the same thing as I was doing inside the investigative, just reading, digging in, I get some notes. Um, uh, the kind of interesting part was, it was not really great to ask questions to the other guys because it's quite inappropriate. You're supposed to know all of this. Um, and so you, you have to learn just on your, on your own, just do your homework. Uh, and the only place where you can get some books if you wanna uh, figure out what it is exactly you have to go back to academy, uh, get into the library, and sit inside the library because you're not allowed to take these books out. So going back to academy was kind of no go at all. Five years is enough. So kind of I was <laughs> just I, I was just learning everything through um, um, through the process of work and uh, yeah and uh, and the cases. So it's kind of it was pretty interesting. And as an operative now, your job is to go out and recruit assets, to recruit sources, agents? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the main goal. Uh, you have to build your own network of agents uh, who can provide you information um, about what's going on. So you have, um, in my case, they gave me, um, it's not a, almost we can say it like a phone book. Uh, with the names of the companies and uh, uh, kind of name of directors and you have to check each company to find 
kind of collect some information. Um, and, and back then, guys, it was no such thing as like a Google search. So you have to understand, like it's 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 Russia in 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 two thousand three. It was kind of um, um, you have to do all this process physically, just basically go there or submit some special request to get some information from the data uh, from the center. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it was kind of it's, it's pretty a uh, complicated process. But again, it was kind of interesting. You, I, I was going and uh, meeting some interesting people, talk to them. Several times I got a call back uh, on my uh, special communication, uh, like operative uh, phone in my, on my desk from other operatives guys and was saying like, uh, slow down on this person, we already recruited him, he's ours. So kind of, yeah, you don't go there. Um, and uh, then I submitted several requests and I sent come up, same thing, like saying, yeah, yeah, he already taken. <laughs> like, what the hell, I mean, where I'm going, like what's going on in this? Like, it, the, it's uh, the 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 these uh, and it's only we're talking about people who've been um, who when when you uh, been taking by the FSB guys, uh, but police are doing some recruiting as well. So I'm not sure. Like you, you just it's it's hard to catch the fish uh, in, in this really muddy muddy pond when everyone is kind of is, is fishing there. Um, but yeah, I was able to uh, find a few people um who might be interesting interesting to me and uh i kind of started to do some search and research and so on it was kind of it it, it, was, it was interesting it's, it's hard to explain you have to be in it just to feel it like yeah for this process it's um and then of course more you do more you involved you go into some operations with the guys we, we've been running some continental um joint operations um you kind of you're learning what they do and how they do things. Uh, it's always interesting was to watch uh, what surveillance guys are doing. Um, and I had really unpleasant experience driving with one of the surveillance guys because they are driving as a, I don't know, like it's a kamikaze race. So I'm not sure it was 100, whatever it is, uh, 140 kilometers per hour. I'm not sure, like 90 miles per hour on a, on a really bumpy road. And the guy was driving with one hand. It's, a, it's a still a stick. So he was driving and sticking with one hand and smoking with another hand. And I was, I made a stupid move. I just sit with him in the front seat. So for, for me, that was like an absolute roller coaster thing. And it's an icy road. And I, I'm not sure how we made it to the end. But yeah, that was the first and last time I said, like, I'm going to drive with this guy. So <laughs> I'm not sure how they're doing this, but it's just completely nuts. So, um, and again, guys, we're not talking, it's not American car. It's not a German car. That was a Soviet made car. So that's like a double the experience. So you have like, yeah, that's a almost uh, uncontrollable bullet. You just let this flying and no one knows how it's going uh, so to end. Were, were you recruiting uh, foreigners or, or Russian citizens? Both. There is no, I mean, there's only a difference in, uh, um, in the paperwork and uh, permission from the former supervisors. So, Who yeah, I had, I I, 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 of course, I can not going to name any name, not give you any names, but sure, I had sure. uh, several uh, foreign citizens and the Russian citizens as well. Who, who are the easiest type of people to recruit and who are the most difficult? The dirtiest ones who've been involved in a lot of illegal activity. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Because they need protection and they know if they're going to cooperate with you, you're going to cover their ass. Uh, but at the same time, they're going to feed you with the most uh, really valuable information. So 
one of the sources was the guy who was deeply involved in a contraband of uh, really expensive jewelry. And we're talking about uh, some kind of $200,000 per earrings uh, stuff. And uh, kind of police was on his ass. Uh, some other guys, uh, gangsters, been kind of really unfriendly to him as well. So for him to be in touch with FSB, it was a blessing. So basically, he was bringing us really amazing information uh, about his competitors and some government officials and people who've been buying this, ordering this stuff from him. So we kind of that's immediate like you're building the chain like who is involved and what, and then this leads us uh, to some um, foreign government official who had a company who was selling this stuff to him as well. So kind of you building was the whole chain. So and and, uh, and of course yeah it was kind of pretty useful pretty interesting. Well, it's, so, inter it's interesting because people might think well what do art and jewelry have to do with counterintelligence? But it, it's a huge way to pass to mo launder money, to pass along wealth, to to you know, untraceable. Give you give you just pr pretty simple yeah. basic example. Like look at this, you potentially the person who is um, bringing and selling some really expensive art. Let's say some rare art like paintings, or you have some your own art gallery, or if you're working with some um, expensive jewelry stuff as well, it means you have access to people with lots of money. Mm -hmm who've got lots of money, people from the elites, it's government officials, uh, businessmen, and so on. So for him, you have you can get access to these people as well. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, sometimes uh, you can prove this dealer, um, he can arrange you a meeting with someone whom you in whom you're really interested. Um, and uh, maybe you can help this person to buy painting twice, three times cheaper. Help him to get help him to get this painting outside Russia, uh, but of course he from this moment he owes you a favor and he will be cooperating with you. So that's the form of um, kind of yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. There are some rules and almost there is no rules in this game. So you just kind of you. Um, yeah, you mentioned that you know some like do guys would because they weren't getting paid, and because even when they did get paid they weren't getting paid much, um, and. You know they were open to corruption or they would do outside activities if it were me if if i hadn't been paid for four months and i were dealing with dirt bags who were dealing with fine art and jewelry i think i feel for me my financial issues would be over <laughs> i mean how how are i just want to how are you doing at this point in time look uh maybe i was kind of in a, in a, in a slightly better situation because um I, I'm not from rich family at all, uh, but it's kind of was a middle class, a solid middle class. So I, I was, I had a pretty modest lifestyle, uh, but I did had, uh, but I had some support from um, from my family on the money wise. So for me, it was more focused on the work and just kind of do what I do, uh, and I and I didn't have this um, well, side issues to, to and I was single, so which was which was kind of a. a uh, it, it, it was a big deal too in, in, the, in the beginning. Um, then I, so anyways, um, for, and I kind of, I was doing my work, nothing was happening. I know that guys um, had some kind of a side gigs and they've been making some money. Uh, in my case, was really interesting welcome to the system. So I already spent two years inside the operative unit. Um, I was behind my desk one day and uh, my supervisor uh, got into our room 
Uh, and he said, like, yeah, uh, someone want to talk to you on the phone. I said, like, okay, help. I have here my cell phone. I have my uh, kind of normal phone, and I have my operative line. Uh, the rest, but can you, can, maybe they can call here. He said, like, no, no one want to talk to you in, in, in my office. I said, okay, fine. Just I've got, I've got my um, notebook and my pen, uh, as, as, as it was. So went inside his, um, his office. It was a, a, a operative uh, phone. I just picked it up, and the voice said, like, do you know who I am? I said, like, yep. He said, can you be in my office in 10 minutes? I said, absolutely. It was a guy on the level of um, one of the assistants of uh, head of the directorate. So I went in it. He said, like, okay, now here is the address. Just put it on, on, on in your note. Uh, there is a company. It's a jewelry company. Uh, you have to go there. And they're going to give you information, and you will recruit them. I said, like, okay, hold on. Uh, but I have to do the, like, a paperwork. I have to start the case. I have to, like, you have to do some routine stuff as well. So the, 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 he told me, like, you're going to do it later on. So not a big deal. Just jump in the car, go there. So I drove not far from the downtown. Um, nice office. Um, I just kind of, I ring the bell. Uh, they let me in. The head of the company was already waiting for me. He gave me his all personal information and the whole company information. And then just said, like, okay, um, I said, look, fine, I'll be back. Like, I have to go back in the office and just uh, fill the paperwork, at least. Uh, I, I got back. Surprisingly, almost immediately, uh, all my requests been signed by supervisors. Like, no need to wait, no need to explain. Everything just went through. And then and they put urgent. So, which is like was, um, you have to fight to get something happen or urgent. So this is similarities between US and, and, and Russia as well. So I, um, I've got all this job done within like a few hours, uh, then going back and a person already waiting for me with this thing he wrote on his own, he's willing to copyright. So I said, okay, well, sounds good. Uh, let's just at least have like a. Uh, first conversation as you as my source I just want to I want to know who you are at least like and what we're, what we're talking about uh, we had a lovely chat he uh, he bought a few um, uh, he bought a bottle of cognac we had a few shots um, and then he came to me with an envelope my question like I felt like first idea like this is a setup there's just kind of some nonsense and BS mm -hmm. I said, I'm not gonna take it he said like yeah, call your boss I got the phone I called back and the guy said yeah it's authorized I just decided to play dumb. I said, like, well, I'm not working alone. I have a partner, which, which is true. So the guy said, okay. He disappeared, and then he came back with the second envelope. So I, like, what am I supposed to do right now? So I just I took it. I just put it in, in my case. Uh, I drove back to the office. I put deliberately my case on the table. Uh, it's just start to work on the paperwork. Just kind of fulfill all this, uh, the rest of the forms. No one said anything. So that's it. That's like was basically welcome to the system. Then later on, I figure out and I start to check the company. It's uh, it had uh, directly business affiliation with one of the active uh, uh, executives inside the FSB uh, for for the family members. So they just put kind of uh, they officially arrange some extra income for me um, for the system. That's kind of welcome to the system. Like a de facto FSB company by doing that, I take it. Yeah, it's kind. It's kind of you. You were in or you were you were out. It's like that. That's welcome to the system. 
so I didn't have any um, uh, problems or issues or anything before that. So kind of I never asked for anything. I was just doing my thing, and that's uh, that was the way to uh, get you in. I guess you just kind of yeah, I mean, just kind of buying your loyalty. I guess at some point, and I don't know. Well, but it's it's really smart because one, if there's all these financial issues going on, they're taking care of their people, right? They're 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 shutting it down so that you're not so open to recruitment, to corruption, to everything else. And at the same time, I, I mean, they're just showing an investment in you. It was kind of yeah. That's uh, and uh, um, and no one ever asked me any questions. I mean, uh, I had a few uh, people with whom I was in touch and working with internal security guys. Um, no one said anything. Kind of everyone knew what's going on, but everyone was closing their eyes just because they knew that financial situation inside the country was insane. So we just like yeah, people. Um, I know the guys from the special ops been providing physical security um, for some uh, some rich people um, just to make some money, just to survive. Uh, I want to get. We're gonna. We got lots more to talk to Jan here about tonight, uh, especially how things started to slide a little bit downhill for him, and he had to make his way to the United States. But I want to take two seconds here to talk about the sponsor of tonight's show, which is Par Weber. They are a watch company. You can see Dave wearing it right now, showing it off. Uh, where is my cut? You you want you want a Par yeah, Weber where, watch? Yeah. Why not? Like guys, come on! I, I gave you Red Atlantis and American. Where's my? Where's my? <laughs> we, can, we can get you a watch. Well, watch Jan, we have to warn you: these watches are fantastic, but they do not have laser beams. Uh, they don't have garrotes. Garot wire. Yeah, uh, garot wire. They. Uh, I mean, it probably is not. It's a high standard watch. It probably doesn't have all the gadgets that you're used to. Well, I can borrow them from Spy Museum. So yeah, nice. I, I can, yeah, I can install them on my own. So, so that's good. What, what this what this watch does have is a new always-on illumination system. It's the best on the market. It yeah. does not need to be charged under a light, or you don't have to press a button. It's continuous illumination for three to four years before it needs a new battery. Uh, Par Weber is based out of Chicago. Uh, this illumination system is a, an American invention. The watch is manufactured in the United States, but they're assembled in Switzerland. Uh, just one clarification. Uh, we, we made a, a, a misstatement on the last show where we said they're a veteran-owned company. They're, they are not a veteran-owned company. And they didn't tell us they were. We just thought that somebody who was making a watch like this uh, who's probably a veteran. Um, but they are they are supporting a veteran-run podcast, so we thank Par Weber for yeah. that, and uh, we're really happy to have them as a sponsor. And as an added bonus, if you go to their website and you buy one of their watches, you use the uh, code TEAMHOUSE at checkout, and you get two-day shipping for free. So make sure you use the code TEAMHOUSE. Hope you guys will uh, check it out, considering... Uh, you know, helping out the company that sponsors the show and keeps these episodes. Yeah, going. no, it's just, it's a sweet watch. It's got like a sapphire glass face. I mean, it's. I did you guys all have Rolexes or did you have like the Russian version of a the, like the Soviet version of a Rolex that would might blow up if you banged it on something? Like, I mean, were watches a big thing in the FSB because they were a big thing and and. And soft. Of course they were, uh, but not that many people could afford them. Right. It's pretty expensive ones. Uh, of course, guys been kind of looking to get something really cool and nice. Uh, main focus was, of course, on some Swiss brands. Right. Uh, and uh, um, you you can see that guys are doing something on the side based on uh, what they're wearing, like a watch including right. so some right. Uh, right. some shoes, watch. I mean, you can see how the um, the person's style is changing while he's doing some work. So. 
it was uh, yeah, and especially like guys who've been working with some stock market or, or uh, banks, kind of they are um, image was changing sure. dramatically within like a um, <laughs> six or seven months just working on this line. So yeah. yes, some people who've been smart enough, they they stayed modest. Uh, but but yeah, some guys are kind of been going in a pal- in a cop mode, just being the police. Uh, are, are, there, they, are there any like tells amongst FSB officers, like like not the watch as you were explaining, but I don't know something that like everyone in the FSB has, whether it's a certain type of pen or they drive a certain type of car. Is there anything that like people in Russia would be? No, no guys. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure. It was I mean, look back then, if you want to buy something, you should have cash, like physically. It was not that many uh, cars involved. Uh, you're receiving salary in cash. Uh, you are so yeah. If uh, like you can't get it, like a, not, not no such thing as a credit card, especially I mean in the early nineties. It was it was exist, but it was really really rare thing. Uh, but at least not for the government service guys. So yeah, uh, basically the car depends upon how much money you have. Um, uh, of course, uh, I kind of. The main goal was like to get something good. Good it means the German car, uh, and then yeah, and then the rest is just the car. So um, yeah, I mean, did, did you? And I I know that you were, you know, when you went and met with people like this business owner, you you were declared FSB. But did you also work with cover? Uh, like, could you if you were out at a bar and you met you know, you were single, you met a young lady at at you know. At your local vodka bar or cognac bar. Uh, I know cognac. I apologize. <laughs> but we already had sushi bars. We already <laughs> had a normal normal cafe uh, cafe shops. It was not that like uh, uh, yeah. It, it, it was in the early nineties, but like in the, in the two thousands, it was some kind of already like a wave of civilization coming, and uh, because situation was stabilizing, uh, and I guess the oil price was going up, so it was kind of it was pretty okay. Yeah. Um, so- I'm just, I'm kind of just teasing you. I know, but, I know, I know. But, I know. but if you met no, a young lady, if you met a young lady out at a bar or whatever, could you tell her your FSB, or did you have cover stories, or did you just make stuff up on the fly? This all depends uh, on your vanity level issues and uh, on on your, um, I, I guess, kind of IQ level. If you want to just run around and say I'm from FSB, it's one story. Right. Uh, but uh, in the unit where I've been working, we had uh, cover IDs. We had police uh, credentials as well, so for daily thing we had a. I, I was kind of. Uh, I had a. Uh, I think it was police major uh, from the uh, criminal police, and uh, um, of course, I, I mean, and I had the second passport as well. So just in case, which matching the uh, police credential, just in case. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it, that was totally up to you what you want to do with that. I mean, if you're smart enough, just don't run don't run around with it. Like, right. what's what's the point to do so? Uh, of course, sometimes you have to do it. And when you're speeding, when you're turning on the red, if you're crossing the two straight lines, uh, if the road police is going to stop you, well, then you have no choice. But they have no choice as well, except just let you go. So that was kind of a, uh, so, it was a big benefit. So you have a choice, but you, your choice is like, back up, I'm with the FSB, go on your way. Yes, I've been drinking, but it's none of your business. No, you know, you do not say him that you was drinking. Just basically show they say like you're going in official business. Just like don't don't him get into the car. Technically, he's not allowed to check the car. Uh, so yeah, 
I mean, some some like old cops who've been doing this work for like 20, 30 years, and they saw everyone, including the KGB guys, they can be a bit cocky and they can start asking you some questions. Uh, but I mean, you just kind of there is a um, I don't want to use the bad words on on, in, uh, on the YouTube. So you basically can show them their direction and just go. Oh, you can use all the bad words you want. We're not a kid friendly channel. You 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 can you can tell them that they should go in uh, to the um, we'll call it erotic hiking. So uh, it, that's the the best way to say the go f yourself. So that's the uh, so. So how you were an operative? You're I mean. Life is pretty good, right? I mean, you're enjoying your career in the Russian intelligence community. Where was it that things started to go downhill for your career? In well, first of all, when you're doing this work, you're already learning that it's not really everything great in the Dutch kingdom. So something is goes goes wrong. Uh, we One operation was really interesting. Uh, I was part of the um, joint task force. We had a few um cops with us we had FS, our fsb heavy guys i mean the uh, alpha guys the uh, special ops um and uh, several operatives plus investigator from uh, one of our departments so we went to arrest and do the search in uh, the house of the uh, police general so we arrived to uh and it's early 2000s it's outside moscow um, it's really fancy area, and uh, the guy had a, a free st store house with elevator. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Imagine this time, like, I'm not sure how much you should make just to have it, this house. Right. So this police general. So uh, really expensive cars. Like one of them was, I think it was 500 Mercedes standing uh, next to his, like, and it's not a state Mercedes, it's like his, his property. So um, we've got inside, we found a bunch of uh, stuff, including uh, piles of cash in the shoe boxes. And one, one um, box was really interesting because inside it was cash still packed in uh, the plastic with a logo evidence so the guy just like that that, that was that bad uh, i mean i'm not even talking about some collection of the rolexes and some uh, uh the sean constantine watches so it, it was kind of it, it was not a big surprise after what we saw already uh the guy was sitting in his um some kind of uh, Adidas track pants and 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 uh, uh, tank top on the couch. Uh, the guy is quite overweight. Uh, we've been asking him questions like, "What's going on?" And he said, "Like, guys, you're asking me all these questions, but do you know who my neighbors are?" And he knew that we are from the FSB. He said, "Like, he's one of yours." So basically, when we I I, I get to the window, same as my guys will like look outside, and this police. General house was looks like a garage compared to the guy with the building which we saw outside. 
it was kind of one of the indications that like you just kind of operating on one level and this problems for you looks like that the guy other guys are operating on a level higher and uh, they're making way more uh and not for their service to the country that was kind of a uh, kind of a big eyes opening at this moment uh then doing more work uh and getting into more um cases we figure out i figure out on my own how how it is corrupted itself and again you we, it was no sense to blame on uh, on the guy who was at this moment running the country because all of that was designed and built back in 90s that came from there it's like the, the whole system itself um so i kind of already started to think that maybe i should leave um i kind of share this thought and my, my kind of we had some meeting and my supervisor asked me uh what's the what, what the plans are and i said like yeah well i kind of i'm i feel kind of quite uncomfortable and i thought maybe i should just go and uh, um get my uh, attorney license so because i i have master so maybe that that would be an option um almost after that i got like as in maybe in a month or so i i had a meeting with the uh, one of the executives and uh i got an offer to join the bank so uh they uh, transfer me into the active reserve with the right to enlist any moment uh, i want um and uh, from that moment i became deputy head of the economic security in the credit index bank so uh, i guess i mean any questions about so the fsb because we're already tra transferring into the uh, this is an fsb run bank i take it yes it's uh, uh i mean look guys there's no i mean fsb even before that um russian financial market was absolute mess and uh, right in this moment uh different parties uh it's like game of thrones been competing for uh, financial uh, streams and uh for control of over financial market so it was kind of fight between the kremlin towers someone's supposed to control something uh fsb all the time been collecting the information about uh financial activity a guy has been placed in this very special unit uh, inside the same directorate which was working directly with the banks they they, they had uh and they have operatives attached to the banks and some people been placed inside the banks uh but i guess in in this moment back in 2005 they already had enough information to make a move so they already knew what's going on uh and now it was a time to do the uh, classic uh, KGB trick. So when you understand that you can't beat it, there is no way you can resist to it. The only way to uh, to kind of defeat it is just to take it over. Right. So you have to like take it under your control. That's right. the only way to do it. So that's why Credit, in, at some point Credit Impacts was um, I'm not, not sure by whom, uh, but chosen as as a as a bank which can be this um, kind of heart of this operation by taking over the whole market. Um, I became deputy head of the, uh, of the economic security. A bunch of the guys uh, from uh, FSB, some of them I knew from the service, uh, what kind of left the service and uh, joined the uh, team as a, um, uh, as a kind of, as economic security for the bank right now in this moment. We've got a lot of people been connected and uh, who 
still been working as a, as a, an active service. Uh, we had full support uh, from all the branches we need. Uh, kind of yeah, and bank at this moment got on board uh, Kulikov, who is right now I'm not sure he's in jail or not, uh, but um, who was one of the main kind of young blood uh, money laundering players on the market. Uh, then we ended up bank ended up in uh, and again just as a structure. Bank already was in touch directly with the FSB bank unit, mm -hmm. which later on you guys read about the uh, Frolov and Cherkalin. Frolov back then uh, was just an operative who was receiving paychecks from the bank, but at the same time was um, uh, collecting information from the bank. So to run such thing, you have to understand that it was not just a random operation. Everything supposed to go on the paper. So it was a real case like open inside the FSB. But it's operative case. It means that all classified. So if all the information is coming, every step you move, it's supposed to go there and be supposed to be proved by what we're going, what we're trying to achieve. Um, then uh, it was pretty simple to understand who could be your best partner with whom you want to kind of uh, uh, join the fight and um, take over everyone else. Um, and it was choice. Choice was uh, made. I'm not sure by whom, but I, I already was um, kind of when I started to work with my team actively. Uh, Dvoskin and Miazin, the guys from the organized crime, uh, they already were hanging around the bank. So it was it was arranged a bit earlier. So, but while we've been there uh, and settling this whole system, uh, kind of a relationship with them were in the process of building as well. So I guess that was kind of a long conversation somewhere on the top level. Who's going to do what? Who's going to control what? And uh, whose responsibility uh, will be? And uh, who will be under whom? Initially, uh, this organized crime guys, they came around and what we've got from the bankers that they actually offer credit banks be part of their structure, which they are building, which was not completely matching what uh, kind of... Uh, organization was planning to do so it kind of you you can't just be under the organized crime the only way just kind of to be to be like equal partnership and just work together so after some uh tensions which were going for about uh five months or so uh which ended up with a really epic stand credit Olympics was in downtown moscow on the kutuzovsky prospect um we've got a call from um uh, we have we had a guard down uh, who was sitting down uh, on on the first floor uh, that uh, a few police vehicles arrived so it's literally uh it was toyota land Krausers with the police plates and police blue stripes on it with all the sirens on the top um guys in a full uh, heavy uniform with the uh, machine guns uh and these police guys brought Dvoskin uh and Mazin to talk to the bank so police brought the organized crime so in our end you can see the guys um i'm standing behind the window on the second floor uh, uh kulikov went down and the fsb guys alpha guys went with him dressed in the business suits and with the guns as well so we have police and fsb and i have two bankers uh kind of talking about the business how they should be done it's 2006 moscow so that's uh maybe you saw this in like in a gangster movies but this was kind of a reality mm -hmm. so finally peace was achieved everything is done everyone shake the hands and uh, they started to work together 
through this process then later on some other big players like for example Fomin uh, joined the bank um, and while this was happening all other parties like police guys who've been trying to compete or create some troubles for credit impact bank their whole union has been wiperized completely by the fsb so like wiped out just because they tried to put uh some blocks on what bank was doing and the bank partners been doing so of course fsb is supposed to put some pressure on them they open investigations they've been running some cases you can read it in the news if you're gonna go to the 2006 2007 what was happening with some police units which been uh, uh supposed to fight with the corruption organized crime uh but they all been involved in this financial illegal activity they just gone so they just purged them so they opened the road for what bank was up to and what bank was doing um as one of my kind of tasks was just going all around with the bankers just going to business meetings talk to the clients uh and the business partners uh big surprise was that um it's it's kind of it's absolutely wild west so such organization like for example uh central bank they've been just part of it they've been um uh, receiving bribes just to allow you to do some illegal financial activity like cash in operations converting uh, russian currency into the uh, dollars or euros or just close their eyes on transferring money outside of russia as well so of course uh, such operation require you to do a lot of uh, legal paperwork so lawyers been working as a printers like on a daily basis you have to come up with it you have to buy the shell companies inside the russia you have to set up accounts outside the russia everything's supposed to be covered by the paperwork and also if you look at this it's not just one bank we're talking bank bank but there are multiple it's a chain so uh in a, an ideal world as it was uh, set up one bank was receiving money and working directly with the, with the clients then sorry bank was uh, second bank was in the middle which was basically receiving the streams of money and then spreading them again and they're supposed to go to the end bank end bank is a bank which is going to commit a suicide means it's, it's going to be a dirty bank and you can buy this organization in, in in russia it was pretty simple as well you can buy the whole bank for a number of like uh, eight hundred thousand dollars up to several million dollars in moscow and you're going to use it as a dumpster so you're going to load it with the cash then you're going to take the cash out for the cash in operation or you're going to spread it uh, outside uh, the country to some shell accounts majority of the operations been going through um it's a, it's a classic the baltic states uh they're like a, whatever this financial money laundering um layer or napkin between the russia and, and europe and then of course uh through uh cyprus and malta and, and and then forward so like basically destination was up to the client where they want to have it um of course nfsb guys they all knew about government officials knew about the central bank they, they knew what's going on because they all been receiving uh money on a, a weekly or monthly base i for me it was already kind of a breaking points when we understood that it's getting over the original idea of run the sting operation and basically take over the whole market uh and then destroy it so everyone who was involved uh, on executive level and i was reporting to the guys so bank was working directly with the bank uh, bank fsb bank unit they've been kind of paying them money but i was writing reports which copy they've been giving to the uh, to these guys and then i was bringing the copy to the executive guys whom i was reporting directly so and money will go in the same direction so some 
chunks goes to the operatives in, in a bank unit, some money goes to the executive guys. Uh, guys from internal security got paid, uh, guys from uh, special ops who've been uh, doing two things, providing physical security uh, and at the same time moving uh, <coughs> cash bags uh, around, the, around, around, the, around the Moscow uh, to the clients. So all they've been receiving money as well. Then uh, central bank officials have been paid too, because without them it's almost impossible. Otherwise, they're going to send commission after commission. They're going to block the, uh, the whole operation. So, yes, kind of pretty much what was happening. And it was absolutely insane level. And I understood that it's now it's more for money maker for everyone who is involved. And it's less about like the main goal, which was and I kind of it, it was bringing some confrontation inside. Guys who came with me, they started to complain about this as well, because that was sometimes too much is too much. So you you're losing the purpose why you're doing this. So now you're already not the working for the state. You're more like a mercenary whom they just hired and put to do this job. And uh, what was the purpose? Also, big red flag was when we figure out we had access to, like, you have to understand, we had access to everything. So when we came, my team came to the bank. Uh, we had a main guy who was the head of the security as well. He is a former KGB guy. Well, basically, first of all, we checked the whole bank on the bugs. And we found a few old ones, which were in place with, with former uh, owners. And then to be sure that our SSA will put our own bugs in it. Just kind of, I mean, that's all KGB thing. So you, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a routine work. So anyway, so we kind of, we knew what's going on. Um, and uh, we figure out by all these transactions and with whom we've been meeting, where money coming. So a lot of the clients had access to the uh, state money. So there were state affiliated clients. So uh, some contractors, subcontractors or some uh, other entities which have been receiving uh, money from the uh, state budget on contract base or even been taking loans from the state um, banks. Mm -hmm. uh, and then basically receiving money. Like it, one case was kind of really interesting just to make it simple. So it was a big bank in Moscow, which took a big loan from the bank affiliated with the state. Then this big loan, big chunk of money, was immediately spread for the layers of the shell companies, uh, belongs to some people affiliated with the bank. Then the, all the funds been, been, been accumulated in another bank, still in Russia, same, and then spread again through the layers of the shell companies, and then they, been, they threw them away. Uh, outside the Russia, and they all all of this money ended up on the accounts uh, affiliated with them, family members uh, of the owner of the bank who took the loan from the state bank. It's basically clear fraud. That's what they've been doing. But I mean, I, I'm not going to bring any names. But this person is right now healthy, wealthy, and uh, sitting in, the, in as a place we call London Grad. Um, so um, yeah, so and the. It, it was absolute mess. It's a millions and millions of dollars, dollars are going through. Um, and um, it's kind of, we, we lost the sense why we're supposed to do and why we're doing this. And I guess kind of, I, I'm the guy kind of who brought my guys in it. I was kind of quite vocal about this. Uh, in 2008, I guess it was end of February or uh, early March, I basically got an offer from the bank. They offered me to be the junior partner. So here's the dilemma. 
you basically your life is perfect you can you can take the offer and everything is settled or you can play dumb and idiot and uh, try to stay honest so I, I took the second one um, later on it's lead to some uh, complications um, guys from FSB with whom I was kind of in touch one of them was my mentor he said that um, you should not be an idiot like that's not the way things are supposed to go uh, but guys I was not even 30 years old back then and you had kind of all this on, on you and um, I said like yeah no fuck it I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it uh, just too much and I just asked can I leave or re-enlist back in service so it was kind of going back and forward for quite some time and then in May uh, I got this call from one of the bankers um, it was PM late PM and uh, the guy who was driving the bank drove me to his property we had a uh, really short and really lovely chat he gave me three options just like I have to do the officer's way which means I have to shoot myself which is gonna lead to uh, several benefits such as great funeral maybe promotion and some medal and you're gonna end up as a hero uh, option number two they're gonna do it some people are gonna help and option number three you're gonna leave uh, but you have to understand that leave is the worst one because you have to take all the shame all the blame and from this moment you are the traitor that's it it's over so you, you kind of and I guess they gave me this option because they were not expecting that someone um, who was doing the work I was doing and who was kind of spent all these years in service uh, gonna pick the third one which was completely unacceptable so I, I got back home I was kind of um, uh, frustrated put it this way uh, and I had a chat uh, with my wife my initial reaction was of, of course my blood was boiling again I gonna uh, I want to do something bad to the people who come up with this decision um, guys from uh, FSB with whom who were with me all these years and work inside the bank they said yeah we're gonna support you and my wife as I said like she's she's the only smart one in, in our house and I still live because of her so she said like yeah well if you do it you're gonna put yourself in more trouble and no one needs to have any blood on, on any hands so kind of that's not the the, the thing you should do you, you don't want to be one of them so I guess in this case when you're swimming in a pool full of shit you can't stay clean uh, in my case somehow I was able to keep my head slightly above the shit so not to dive in it not to be one of them but still kind of doing and being involved in all this activity um, so uh, kind of we made the decision like let's leave like yeah I, it's better to take all of this on me but no one's gonna end up in any troubles except me um, I immediately went to see my mentor we had a lovely walk in the park at night and um, kind of he, I said that I, I want to go like I, there is no way uh, he said maybe it's the right choice uh, he offered me to check all potential flags on us on the border he called a few people um, they immediately kind of get back to him and said yeah that's already flags so the guys are on, on radar um, my wife uh, bought several tickets to the several airports like in Moscow there are if I'm not mistaken guys four or five airports so we've definitely had like four tickets on different directions some domestic some outside the Russia um, uh, all of them within like one hour of which uh, one hour or 45 minutes like the difference on the, on the takeoff just to be sure like all different directions 
Um, so yeah, we we went to the airport. Oh, my my mentor said that um, everything is kind of settled. You, you you're gonna go. We initially kind of left the city, uh, and we've been going uh, to the airport from the opposite direction because it's less uh, kind of police road police activity, just in case. Um, on on the road, this was I'm not sure. Maybe we've been overdoing some kind of protective measures. Uh, one of my really close friends, he drove behind us, and uh, uh, we've been a bit speeding, and um, the driver. So police already used the stick just try to stop us. And then I saw he just speed up as crazy and just passed us. So they, they jumped on him immediately. So we were not like a point of attention anymore. So we ended up in the airport, uh, got our stuff. We had only well, like one suitcase per person. That's it. Not we dropped, we left everything. And um, so, yeah, we're going inside the airport, um, get, get rid of the luggage. We are standing in this line. It's not that many people at this time. Um, my wife, she went through, uh, everything is clean. I, w I wait a bit for a few more people just to go through in front of me. And then I went, uh, and here was, um, kind of really a lovely moment. The, uh, young, uh, officer, she's not officer, like a surgeon or something. She's sitting inside this, uh, inside this booth for the passport booth on, on a, on a border uh, control. Uh, she got my passport. She looked at me, then she looked at passport again. Then she looked at the system. And then she called the supervisor. And I, I felt like that's it. That's just, that's, that's over. Uh, so, and I kind of show my wife, just get out. So she was not moving at all. Supervisor arrived and uh, he looked at me, he looked at the document, look at the system, look at her and then said to me like, ah, you were exchange student in Russian. I said like, yep. And it was indication that th this guy was in touch with my kind of mentor and they, the only my guy knew that I was, uh, I was here in States before I joined the academy and I was exchange student. So, uh, yeah, he kind of, he told her, just let him go. And that's it. So we, we ended up, I've got, uh, we, we, we've got on our flight after we took off, we, I was nervous and, uh, honestly, I just bought the, um, I, I bought a bottle of a small bottle of cognac. <laughs> no, no commercial here. I'm not going to tell you a brand. Um, well, before we landed in Frankfurt, it already was empty, and I was sober as glass. Like that's uh, didn't hit me at all. I'm not sure it was made in Poland, but it was. I mean, I, I thought I thought it was a French one, but still, kind of a, it, it, it was no no impact at all. Um, so yeah, it was kind of lovely chat in in in. in um, uh, with the German border border guys in Frankfurt. Um, then we've got our flight to Dominican Republic and we, at night, will end it there. Um, so questions? Yeah, I, I mean, a couple. Well, so basically, you, you didn't want to play ball and an oligarch basically said, you have three options, but in reality, you had two options. They were just kind of setting you up to, to catch you at the border right, right. and they're gonna smear they're gonna smear your reputation put you in jail accuse you or if he's lucky well jail is the best option I yeah if he's case. lucky so yeah um and so you escape and what happened in germ like the you, you don't have a german visa or like i mean you don't no, you don't have to like okay that frankfurt airport is really amazing spot it's uh, um it's it's uh, as airport is not that great but it's a transition point 
Okay. So we uh, we picked the Dominican Republic. If only reason is as far as possible. So we're gonna have at least like a and a gap of twelve hours plus till to figure out it's gonna be like at least another twelve. So you have a day at least. Uh, plus it's far from Russia and no need for visa. So Dominican Republic, it's a really no one cares about this place. Sorry for Dominicans, but it's it's a it's a great island, but realistically no, no attention from uh, from Russian government. Um, so and there is no Russian embassy in it. It's just a council. It's just some uh, uh, I guess it's a council, but uh, she's not a. But then she was not was a person, not a Russian citizen. It was like <laughs> local Dominican who is just uh, doing this work. Um, so. That that was the the kind of the the option. Just go as far as you can. Uh, as for kind of this mystery question, everyone is asking like, where are the Neumann's treasure? Like, where are the money which like FSB said that you took from the bank? Guys, we left with the fifteen thousand dollars. That's it, cash. Not much than that. Um, so we we've got uh, into Dominican Republic. We uh, while we've been in Frankfurt, we booked the hotel in, uh, in, in, in there. We spent only we check in uh, because it was middle of the night, so it was pretty easy and fast. So no one saw us. Uh, it took us like next morning. We woke up and we checked out completely. So we left the place. Uh, we found the local lady, German lady. Uh, she was running some small properties around the uh, kind of on the, in the area where we were, uh, and she rented for cash without any contract for us. Um, uh, small, they call it villa, but basically it's just a kind of a small bungalow. It's like <laughs> just two rooms and uh, some dining room, and this is it. So just pretty small. Um, so yeah, we and we then we've got local phones, we've got um, local uh, bank account. Which was uh, totally doable, and uh, no one. Well, I, we had a kind of. We've been doing some. We did some trick with the documents, anyway. So, it, it, and I can't give you the details because the, you will see the story in the, in, the, in the graphic novel. So, right. I, no, no, no. There's going to be a graphic novel uh, of Jan's story. So, if anybody's curious, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, so. Um, we've got all. All this was settled. We. Um, we rented the car, the local one, for which I used the uh, one of the uh, cover passports uh, because they require you to leave them a passport. That's why I left one, and uh, kind of it was not a big deal. Um, so yeah, and then we just kind of we got the local burner phones. I still had a few people in touch uh, back in Russia who've been kind of uh, giving us information of what's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, as for something which we had with us, I had a few. I, I, we're not preparing for leave, so I, I didn't have like other defectors. Maybe had like a piles of the secret documents, like mm -hmm. suitcases. So in my case, I had only like two hard drives. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it's nothing to do with like super state classified shit. It was more about like financial operations and uh, clientele and so on. Um, which I guess has more sense than. Some other things, and uh, we've been kind of waiting what is going to be next, what we should do, trying to kind of understand what what we can do in this case. Like we're, we're limited on the finance, um, not that many ways where we're going to go, but there are still still some options. We've been kind of um, checking, 
I uh, honestly reached out to the person whom I knew when he was um, uh, in Europe. And the guy was one of the clients with whom we've been working. So he was the guy who was receiving some money. I asked him for like what's going on and maybe he can help out. But he said that they already reached out to him and I just asked him, don't do shit. Just like, yeah, you don't end up in any trouble. So anyways, from this moment, we understood that basically that's it. We need to uh, come up with something. Mm -hmm. uh, it was extremely tough, painful, and uh, um, it's hard to describe. It's like you are making a step into this space. That's it. It's like the, more, the, the decision you have to make, if you're going to go and get in touch with Americans, you're going to make it even worse than it is right now. Right. So by, by all means, especially for you with all this background and trainings, that was not, not, not the easy choice for sure. Um, and again, go to the stereotype. Of course, I had a day of drink, drinking and thinking what, what I'm going to do with it. But um, it is how it is. Um, so yeah, we, we made a choice and then it was kind of pretty funny moment. We uh, went to the Santo Domingo, to the uh, local capital, American embassy. Uh, in, a, in a graphic novel, you see me in like, in a, whatever it is, like a cowboy head reality. I had a, um, like a pen in my head, looks like a, um, uh, the guy from, like professor from Indiana Jones. Head, yeah. Like the small one with the pins on it. I had a camera, like a big camera on my chest. Um, I, I was in jeans and, and a flip flops. Um, and a t-shirt, my wife, she was dressed like as a basic tourist. We got into the line. There were a lot of people from, um, I guess, Venezuela. It was like a something situation there. So a lot of really rich Venezuelans were trying to get into the United States through Dominican Republic. I'm not sure how it works out, but that, that's how it was. Uh, and a bunch of the guys in the yellow jacket standing outside, speaking Spanish only, uh, kind of guiding this, uh, uh, these guys from Venezuela where to go. My wife, she... Uh, kind of disclaimer she speaks spanish uh, so they asked us what we're up to i said like she said that we want to talk with the uh, security personnel they start to ask some bunch of the stupid questions and we just kind of like the auto machine just asking the same thing just we need to talk with the uh, security personnel without going into details so i guess uh, the uh, this guy in the yellow jacket algorithm just burned down and he brought the guy from security personnel which was again dominican guy local guy we, uh, Victoria, um, been asking him, kind of telling him what we that we need to talk with an American uh, person from the security. <clears throat> the guy was playing the stone wall. I guess he was just following his instructions. I was listening for it for about like ten minutes, and then with my uh, lovely <clears throat> Austrian accent, I just asked him, uh, "Can we speak with someone from American embassy, like American, not you?" So the guy maybe took it as a threat, uh, but uh, he went inside then he came back he picked us up we went inside like across the line line was kind of already saying something so um anyways we got in uh, and there was a, a person don't go with gender i think male or female doesn't matter so anyways she asked who we are i just decided not to say anything i just opened my backpack which i had with me and it was my credential right on the bottom i just opened it she looked down at my backpack and asked the local guy just to disappear. And then she just walked with us without saying anything uh, into, let's say, location, uh, where we had a quick and lovely chat. Um, and then we arranged the meeting. So the person was from agency, of course. And uh, later, about several hours later, we had a meeting with her. We discussed uh, the way we're going to communicate. And uh, we went uh, back to our place. 
just by following the instructions we get rid of uh, our place so we lost some money because we paid in front but it was not a big deal at all so we uh, the kind of idea was to find something uh, different and it was really interesting we're always kind of driving from our place uh, we, we've been driving for like a long fence which was some property uh, under construction next to the ocean and uh, um, again some kind of a, another seven cents I just said I saw the like a brand new Escalade white one with one person inside it was just turning inside this property uh, and I just decided okay I gotta follow it and I had a like a red color Toyota 4Runner which rented one and I just followed the guy security guy on on a, on a gates local guy he was too slow to close it so I just got in right behind the Escalade and the guy from Escalade just stepped out and he was surprised to see us in the car like what the hell is happening and and end up he's the owner of the property um and I was just straightforward to ask him can we rent the place here Secu security guy was saying like some was screaming something but the owner just uh, showed him just to shut up owner was speaking perfect English and but he's local Dominican guy and he said well we're still under construction I said like well but we really need it and I guess I'm not sure uh, what this guy was up to but he's like like look at us uh, and I said okay we can do it so we've got a really great apartment for really um, cool price uh, it's a two buildings standing like that and one behind uh, ocean from our place was about like 40 yards uh, no no one is around it's completely empty only two uh, units been occupied so one in this building as we are another one right across to us and then a penthouse uh, on, a, on a building we're standing this way so no one is which, which is absolutely perfect a guy asked no questions never asked for any documents he just took the cash we paid uh, two months in front um that's it everyone was happy so he gave us the keys and uh, showed us the place and we've been staying there even he said like and he asked us a really interesting question we have few options like we have an open garage we have a parking lot or we have a garage I think you guys prefer the garage to put your car in it we said like yeah <laughs> how do you know yeah so um we um uh, he, he he bought he brought us uh, later on the same day some kind of basket of fruits and some bottle of wine uh next morning he came to us we had a chat and uh, we kind of became friendly he never was asking what we're up to uh but he offered us to go to his range he has like a rancher rancher uh, and uh with the caves in it and all the kind of in the swimming pool and everything so i'm not sure what this guy was up to but he was for sure doing something not quite illegal not quite legal mm -hmm. uh, but I, I guess he understood at the same time that we kind of trying we're in the same mode as he is we're just kind of trying to stay away as possible from people um so yeah that was a uh, per perfect timing so uh another several weeks we just spent there uh of course agency guys been communicating with us we had a few burner phones um I found myself busy with doing kite surfing uh and uh kind of the thing is while we've been in this place I would change our image slightly so I was I pointed my hair into the blonde same as my eyebrows and I had a beard so I look like the guy or whatever whatever it is the guy like a hipster from Sweden or something <laughs> uh, and uh, um, Victoria changed her uh, style as well we get rid of our uh, clothes and we've got the stuff from local like a kiting shop like rip curl things so we completely match with the local population and this type of the island everyone was doing like kite surfing and windsurfing 
So it's kind of pretty nice. I'm not sure why, but people have been calling me Dutch. No idea what was the point of it. Even I had, I'm not speaking any word in Dutch. So that's just, I don't know what this is about, but anyways. <coughs> so um, then kind of we started to this communication thing with the, uh, with the agency guys. Uh, the guy who was the head of station, he was so excited because he said like, that's basically, he thought he's gonna all his life he's gonna spend here and just sit and do some run some for some drug traffickers and some other nonsense things to do. Now he has a real spiky since he's so happy about this because right. that was just like a basically like a breaking point. <laughs> he, he can do something. Um, we, we had a, quite a few lovely chats and some meetings. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and then after some time, uh, agency decided to do the extraction. Um, but for you to understand, our initial deal was, you, we can't say like we're defectors to the United States, which is quite not true. Uh, we never thought to be in the United States, just to make it clear. Initial deal with the, with the agency was, we guys gonna, we have something which you really need, and they said they admitted as well. We're gonna help you to bust this global network of the, um, of the money laundering. Uh, and even, even some of these accounts been going into the United States, but still it's kind of, that's, what we can help you with. And they've been willing to take it. That's what they've been looking for. Um, but in exchange of some, of course, some kind of a financial support and give us identities on a, from the third country, which is, we were planning to have something European, something small and nice. Mm -hmm. So being honest with you, but later on this, by the way, this thing is uh, freaked out FBI because for them to have a flower shop, it means you're gonna take the orders on some assassinations. I guess they still kind of this, uh, Irish and uh, think and from New York or Chicago, but uh, that's what <laughs> they asked me what my plan is. The agency guy said like, well, I mean, I'm gonna go low and I might gonna open some flower shop in Lisbon or somewhere else. It's like honestly, just literally like modest life and quiet thing, just disappeared. Uh, for FBI, it was a red flag. They thought that it's gonna be some kind of you. You wanna take the orders? It's like what kind of orders? Like I mean, <laughs> right. So I'm. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, yeah, kind of the, the uh, and then we had to disappear from Dominican Republic. We had uh, uh, in, inside this property, uh, this uh, dinner with the owner, um, kind of, yeah, we shake the hands and he said like, anytime we're gonna be there, we can know, we know where to find him. Um, it was kind of, yeah, that was uh, nice and lovely. Uh, then we, we went down to the south of the island, uh, met with the agency guys and then the whole, uh, unpleasant water journey started let's let's get into that but first uh we got a bunch of uh, user questions a bunch of viewers had questions for you uh andrew said could jack and dave both attempt their best russian accents and have jan rate them on a scale of one to ten i I'm so, i can't do my boris and natasha i've just embarrassed myself i was just thinking of boris and natasha <laughs> i think that's the only uh yeah you well you can go with the like what is black widow I haven't seen it yet. I, I, same, as, same as I am. Just my yeah. kid watched it. But he, he fell in love. For, for him right now, Scarlett Johansson, as he's saying, that's that's the best actress ever. So he got his first crush and his toddler. For him right now. <laughs> uh, Jackson says, how does Alpha Group compare to Vimple? And how do these units compare to top American counterterrorism units like, you know, uh, like Delta and SEAL Team 6 and HRT? I guess, well... I'm not sure how much work Wimpel is doing on the sea. 
but Wimpel is more diversion group. So they've been initially designed as a sabotage and diversion group, which is supposed to operate outside the Russian Federation. They're really well trained and uh, the guys got the full scale of training, uh, is what I know based on my communication kind of and, uh, and the work with them. So I would have put them higher than Alpha. Alpha, uh, so in Wimpel more equal, I'm not sure guys, like maybe uh, SEALs or, 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 or Rangers, I don't know. Like there's like as a diversion sabotage operations with the multiple languages. Uh, and I, I don't know, like what that's, I guess it's up to you. You know this better than I am. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like that's kind of like a, it, it's a, the legacy of the old Soviet era Spetsnaz yeah. units that you would have small. No, Spetsnaz is a general term. Right, right, special forces. Yeah. But the, the concept that you would have like a four-man team go behind enemy lines and wage sabotage and, and uh, strategic reconnaissance and things like that. That sounds more like yeah. a special forces mission than like a ranger or, or yeah. a Delta mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, you know. Delta and, Delta, Delta and rangers, maybe this could be like a GRU special ops or GRU intel operations. So because they have their kind of their own special ops units. Uh, as for Alpha, this is anti-terror and they're really great. I, I guess they're among the, the, the best ones in the world. Uh, I'm not sure who's doing this work here in States. Um, you guys, maybe you guys know, like, who, is, who can do, like, if you have a hostage situation, really a, kind of a complex one, who, who, will, be, who will do the job? Be HRT. It, yeah, if, it, if it's, if it's, if it's uh, CONUS within the continental United States, it'll be HRT. Uh, the FBI, their hostage rescue yeah. team. Well, kind of this, but at the same time, Alpha is doing a lot of field work as well. So they, they've been trained, like, for example, in the, in the Soviet Afghan, Afghan campaign, Alpha was doing, like, really recon missions and going behind the enemy lines as well. Yeah. So it's really hard to say. It's kind of a gray area. Out, so. out of curiosity, with all the funding issues, like you guys were having not getting paychecks, like those types of operations, and those take takes an immense amount of training and a huge training budget to stay proficient in. Were they having issues with that also, or was, was that no, money? No, now not. Uh, from earlier, to, uh, as I said, like when the, um, uh, the recent president uh, took it over, he started to invest uh, his time, money, and his will into uh, to reset the whole system. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the Yeltsin thing, guys. No, that was absolute mayhem. It was absolute disaster. Lots of the guys even left service. Uh -huh. Almost like... The Yeltsin's, the, I, I don't have any good words about this idiot. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, realistically, like, look, look, he has blood on his hands from the uh, first Chechen campaign. It's right. him. He provoked he, it. I mean, he, he, was, uh, he was drunk, like, 24-7. Not true. Uh, he, he was obsessed with power. He was paranoically, like, he was paranoid. He was... Um, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to go in this direction. Like, I promise I, my wife and my <laughs> friends I'm not going to comment anything on the politics because okay. otherwise it's going to end up in F-words. Uh, no. uh, again, you can use all the F-words you want. Like, nobody, no, nobody will no. stop you. The, 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 then, then I'm going to have a um, tomorrow conversation with my agent. Not going to happen. Okay. So, oh, I, fair enough. All right. All right. You're, you're yeah. going to put me in trouble. I'll, I'll, so I'll, 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 probably okay. publisher is going to complain about this as well. So, okay. no. I'll move on, I'll move uh, on to the next question. Yeah. Uh, did you say the FBI, or I'm sorry, did you say the FSB used a case method in training? If not, uh, did they use a case method in training? By which What's the case I, method? By which Tell I me. mean a, he a heavy emphasis on past operations. So I guess uh, using course. case studies from the past. Of course. Yes, of course. I mean, there is a special discipline. You have to learn uh, all these operations from like 1920s, how they've been going. Uh, 
look guys you have to understand i mean not you you know that but as for viewers realistically is uh, methods methodology and techniques didn't change much it was written and created years and years ago what we have right now the old this already core of knowledge was just adopting on a daily base to what like on on the recent threads and what's going on right now so all of these gadgets are just an addition to already was exist for like past 80 years right so it just it's just kind of that's that's the thing so yes you have to study you have to learn how it works and of course there are a bunch of the similarities um and at the same time it's really interesting like honestly that's extremely interesting to, to learn how it was and how people before us been able to operate uh for example without cell phones mm -hmm. without radio stations without computers without access to the data uh when they had to communicate through like call a honey please connect me with the with the headquarters or something so we'll give me some numbers such and such no access to the archives immediately so you have to fly physically and get the access to it mm -hmm. uh no ability to send the photos back and forward like you just look at this it's just completely different dimension and how much we went like it was like 80 years ago almost nothing like 100 years ago right mm -hmm. what we have right now right it's just completely different dimension so but methods and techniques the way they've been thinking the way they've been operating um didn't change much it's still the same even look at the human's behavior uh the profiling you're doing right now the human um types of human and their behavior and the way they're acting the way they're doing things didn't change much at all it was in the, in the before the christ era and now you can find a lot of similarities and people are people they're doing a lot of bunch of this dumb stuff and uh, uh, they're doing even the same mistakes. So, yeah, of course you have to study it. You, you studied tradecraft and you also studied the CIA's use of tradecraft, you know, in the past. When you actually, cool, cool thing. Yeah, go ahead. When you actually met with CIA uh, officers, did did they meet your... Across your the table. Across the table. Right. But, but also, well, I, like... I, I was an investigator. What I mean, though, is when you were in the DR, when you are in the Dom Rep, and you were doing these clandestine meetings were they meeting your expectations you're like oh they're not like is this would they tell you okay we're going to do this you go yeah i already know that or like what was that experience for you having studied them and worked against them well this made my life easier because i know what to expect and uh, this actually made our uh, communication with them way easier uh because without that it would have be more like oh my gosh what's happening like we don't know what they're gonna do but as long as you know the way they're gonna do things, yeah, uh, and they know the things you, the way you're doing things, yeah, or like we're just pretending and super secret. But at the same time, we all know what's going on. It's just business. So, yeah. yeah, it's just business. Like yeah, I mean, look, one of the best moments, um, Dominican Republic, our first official meeting with the uh, local head of station, uh, kind of official. So we gave us direction, the spot, and they gave him absolutely same directions and spot, and they call him. Uh, you're gonna meet them and they told us that you're gonna meet him behind the firewall it's just a generic description which came from the headquarters here's a reality check it's a hypothetical and reality in reality there was no firewall at all so none like in in, in this building it's Dominican Republic guys after all it's not America it's not it's not this some kind of a supermarket or mall inside the United States anyways so we found the best solution we could get we got inside we on a, on a on the top floor second floor we found the small it's more like a bookstore 
So, and because guy had no pictures of us, uh, we felt like how he gonna identify us because we saw someone who was just going through downstairs just trying to figure out what's going on. So my wife made a really smart move. She took the, um, it was a book on Spanish about Russian nature. So basically the whole picture of like Siberia with some bears <laughs> and the snow. I just opened this book because it was a big one with the pictures and I just sit like next to the stairs, like with this book. So imagine who in the Dominican Republic will be reading the book about Russian uh, winter. So uh, we saw the guy was going back and forward, look at us, look at the book, came to us and said, you are? I said, yes, we are. So he said like, he, he was going there like for 30 minutes trying to find a fucking firewall, uh, but it's not exist at all. So uh, that's um, kind of you, sometimes the instructions are coming and they're not even matching the reality. So you have to, you have to come up with some solution how you can deal with it. Uh, um, that's really cool. Uh, Alejandro says, growing up on the other side of the Iron Curtain, what is your view of Americans, particularly the Kalashnikov owners who are obsessed with Russian society <laughs> or pretend to be Russian? What would you tell them? My view back then or my view right now on well, these people? It's kind of, yeah, it's both questions, I think. Well, uh, back in, when I was uh, uh, in, in school, uh, and it was like really, literally like a pike of the Cold War in the 80s. We thought that you guys gonna bury us and we plan to bury you. So the, the, the Sting song is pretty right on. Uh, so we kind of, we have more missiles than you are and at some point we're gonna destroy each other. Uh -huh. um, but it was not towards American people, it was more towards the political system. Mm -hmm. So there was no such thing as a creating negativity or hate movement against the Americans inside the Soviet Union. Again, based on what uh, kind of I was uh, experiencing. Uh, also, I grew up in downtown Moscow and I was going playing hockey in the winter. They had a, uh, like a small pond downtown. Guess what? A lot of guys from Canadian and American embassy have been going playing hockey with us. So on a, we had guys from the uh, Czechoslovakian. It was Czechoslovakia back then. Uh, embassy the swedes and Finns, they've been coming and to play with us it was no tension at all i'm mm -hmm. not sure man, maybe kgb guys is skating there too but i mean as i as a kid i never seen them and i was not paying attention to them that's for sure we just been kind of enjoying the sports as by the way that's the the the, the um the way how i learned my bad uh, language uh, bad words in english playing <laughs> hockey with these guys and they learned the same way the bad words in russian so that was um so that was kind of cool um but again it was nothing between the people uh, the, the Soviet ideology was working towards that uh, American government and American capitalists are trying to screw American people and they are just people who are trying to have a normal life and uh, work hard for the future of their kids and they have nothing to do with the politics. I'm not sure how it was in, in here in States. And of course, I, I saw, I watched a lot of, um, not a lot of, like quite a few movies uh, about the bad American spies who penetrated Soviet Union trying mm -hmm. to steal our secrets or get into some, which was actually motivation to, to at some point, to join the service as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because you guys are bad, you're trying to steal from us. So we don't, so same, same. And then we learned like, okay, well, we are bad too because we're trying to steal from you. But we're doing this for a better idea for the communism and you're doing this for just for money. So right. that's, <laughs> that's just, it's like, yeah. Um, it's like you Americans are spies and we are intelligence personnel. And you guys think, yeah, Russians are spies, we're intelligence personnel. Right. So that, that's a big difference, like being a spook or being an intelligence officer. Right. Um, so, yeah. As for now, well, look, to let people understand 
that they're doing something wrong and especially that they are going into really really like extremely left ideas i would suggest if you as government can arrange deal with the north korea and send people there for at least a few weeks just to get like a full dive inside the soviet system just to understand how this was for after that you already can talk to them and maybe uh they can understand that it's kind of it's bad to follow some stupidity uh and just better to reset themselves as for a case i mean that's a great rifle honestly i love it uh it's really reliable it's really kind of a cool thing and uh yeah i mean i i i still i think after all these years i still can just assemble reassemble it and uh, with my closed eyes uh by the way in, in portland oregon it was really uh fun uh local guys from the SWAT team they kind of like a, a boy scouts and headquarters told them do not give these guys a guns so what they've done after they received this order they brought us on the range and they bought the lots of the weapons with them among them we wore a bunch of like a uh, uh, stuff which they seized from the bad guys and some uh yugoslavian uh, ak's uh some mp5s whatever this it was we spent kind of a, quite a few great days with them just shooting this yeah it was really cool and nice so my uh yeah it's ended up that my wife is shooting gun better than I am, but I am better with a rifle than some of the guys. So, uh, Jim says, is vodka therapy still part of the Russian culture? What percentage of the Russian government leadership are serious alcoholics? I mean, this is a bit of a, 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 racial, a racial stereotype. Well, no, a, a status. Let, 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 let status. Yeah. According to the statistics, the most drinking nation in Europe is Poland. Mm -hmm. So Russia is way behind them. Uh, past several years, they started to go down. Alcohol and consuming alcohol it was a sign that something is really unhealthy going on inside the country mm -hmm. it means the political politically and economically and socially as well so yes late of 80s when all this drama started with the soviet union and early 90s it was absolute disaster because people were looking for a way out of this uh, of this disaster the system of, right. this, of the strategy so that's why it was a lot of consuming of the alcohol um as for as for vodka uh well, I'm not sure it's a national drink at all, uh, but guys in Finland drinking, you should see them in, in Leningrad on St. Petersburg. They're going there for vacation, like on the weekends. So trust me, if you can see the drunk uh, bum le leaning on, on the ground, it's not a Russian guy, it's a Finnish guy. So that's uh, <laughs> like in 99% of the cases. Uh, or, or Swede. So yeah, you, you, should, you should just go and check this out. Uh, so as for, guys, again, no, no offense to the Swami guys and then the Swedish, I love you, but I mean, your behavior in St. Petersburg is a disaster. Um, so Russians are not doing this. Trust me. We kind of we behave better than they are. Um, as for um, kind of on, on my end, I have a really cool story about kind of vodka related. Um, uh, when the COVID started, uh, and I was kind of we've been locked at home. We all guys guys have to kind of sit inside our our places, and I was working on several uh, projects, writing them um i was kind of going with the russian white of course it was vodka involved and some milk and some kalua and the only reason i was doing this because i thought like I, I should not show my kid that i'm drinking alcohol like i need to kind of come up with something like cool and sweet right at the same time my kid uh he was not really big fan of milk at all like it was no way we can push him to drink milk but then he saw that his dad is uh, drinking milk on a daily basis and always in a good mood because of that he started to drink milk so now my, my kid is still drinking milk but i had to quit from the russian white because it already was too much 
um, and it was like within two months of me consuming this Russian white thing, uh, my kids started to drink uh, to drink milk normally. That's so that's uh, that's funny. Parent, so at, at, at some point, yeah, yeah, in some point, vodka was helpful. So yes, it, it's funny because I haven't heard like it's not a popular drink here in the states. But when I was growing up, white Russian was. It was my dad's drink of choice. Like that was what he made at home. That was what he drank. Was the white. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Uh, Jerry says, uh, not only in Russia, my country, also after 1989, what a mess. Hope you feel better now. Yeah, a lot of that part of the world. Um, Alejandro says, oh, and as always, uh, working in the field that you did, how much did you think? <laughs> how much do you think a giraffe goes for on the black market? Thank you for coming. Sort of an inside joke there. I don't know if you have any insight from your uh, time at the bank. Well, no idea. That's a good question. No. Um, I still remember what percentage they've been taking from each operation. That's I do remember. Really? <laughs> some, some numbers. Yeah. And some numbers. Of the, it's all depends on the uh, time of the year, uh, how much, how often people are working, how, how much they're sending what currency they want to have, what quality of the currency they want to have. They want to have like a brand new dollars or euros, or they can take the used ones. Uh, the uh, Some percentage can go up and down. Uh, how far they want to send the money. Um, and uh, if people can provide any documents for like any kind of help with any kind of paperwork, then you have to kind of charge them more. So percentage rate depends upon uh, the number currency where to go it's a cash in or uh, operation or it's a, um, a transfer somewhere else um it depends upon the number of the uh, shell companies you're going to use uh, was going between like 12 to 2 percent per operation for for each shell that it would pass through no or for the whole thing okay but I, it's still a lot well i mean like, was uh, in addition to the art and the jewelry I mean, with the oligarchs, and everybody knows that oligarchs like their, you know, exclusive stuff. Was there a an exotic animal trade in Russia? Maybe it was not my unit. That's okay. questions to the cops, like, <laughs> border patrol guys. That's not like no. I I mean I I've uh, kind of in my case the 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 most scary thing was and maybe more entertaining was some radioactive materials, some samples really? of really yeah this stuff. Look. Soviet Union collapsed. Right. A lot of this stuff ended up um, like in uh, research institutes or some labs outside the Russia. And Russia, it was pretty strict control over it. Uh, even through the this uh, catastrophic time in the 90s, they still were able to keep it uh, locked mm -hmm. and under control. But in some uh, countries with the um, stun in the end of former Soviet republics or uh, some, for, for example, Ukraine, where everything went on sale immediately, uh, or uh, uh, Belarus, like in the first part before the Lukashenko uh, took it over, uh, Moldova, of course, uh, that was a disaster. Lots of the stuff was kind of went went into the uh, dark market. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in research labs, they had some samples of radioactive materials, but the sample is enough to create a dirty bomb, like small one, or kill a person. So if we went had a case when uh, one businessman uh, killed his competitor with the radioactive material. He basically put it inside somehow inside his uh, this his competitor's uh, office chair, like in, into this metal, metal wow. um, tube under it. So the guy died uh, later on from the uh, fourth stage of the of the cancer in his uh, bottom part. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was it was rough. So you, that's that's not easy. Uh, um, 
Jerry uh, asks, and uh, he says, did you have an aluminum seal for your safe in office? I don't know. Was that a thing? I don't know what he's talking about there. Yeah. It's like on your keychain, you have a small thing with a number, uh, identification number. Yes, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a pretty classic one. It's not, a, not, it's not, guys, it's not a KGB thing at all. It's, it was an overall Soviet culture it's, uh, in, in office work. Everyone who had the safe had his own seal. Of course, they had the same thing inside the KGB as well, but some accountants in some factories, they had the same thing. Mm -hmm. Just kind of different insignia and different uh, stamp on it. But uh, yes. Andrew uh, says, do you miss having the cover police credentials? Well, I still have my uh, police one. And <laughs> I, I guess if we're going to film Red Heat 2, I can play the Arnold with this, like in, in New York, just showing this. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's my on, my, 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 maybe later on, this one is going to go to a spy museum because, according to them, I'm uh, I'm just like among the guys who are like a walking exhibit. So we will see. So they might end up there. So here's uh, this is kind of a, a crazy question. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but uh, Andrew asks uh, if you could share if you have any thoughts about Jeffrey Epstein. There's some really crazy stuff he had going on. Do you think there's an espionage angle to that story? Okay, you said I can say bad, bad words, right? Yes. There was a special slang terminology. If you want to make a case heavy and more interesting for your supervisors, you always can hang on contraintelligence balls on it. So technically, yes, we can say they may maybe spies been involved and let's make it as spooky as possible. But realistically, I have no um any information about that and um um it's far away from my expertise because yeah I just kind of, honestly i was not following this it's just it's not what i kind of know that's not i, I have no answer for that yeah uh, but I, I mean if, if you want to make something as spooky as possible you can put the contraintelligence or spike thing on, into anything sure it's just uh alejandro says when you worked for the fsb what weapon were you issued an old pm makarov or a newer weapon and he says again thank you for your time and coming on the show pm and it's total crap yes <laughs> uh, everyone was complaining about that and everyone is, as, as i was reading in, in articles everyone is happy that they changed it finally jerry's asking which can you tell which bratva guys you met <clears throat> well uh, we, as I said, Credit Impacts Bank been working with the guys uh, from Ivankov's and Usayan group. So I'm not sure what exactly branch they are, whatever it is, and who they are. Um, we, as, as, a, as myself and my FSB guys, with my, my team who've been attached to the bank, we've been not dealing with them directly. The bank owner has been dealing with them. We've been presented some meetings, but kind of that was none of our business. Let them do it. Mm -hmm. So the main goal was to, yeah, we know it's happening. We know they are cooperating, but our kind of uh, directions were do not get involved in this crap because it's like, don't, don't get into it. That's it. Uh, I mean, so yeah, it's uh, not, not my, 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 what was not my focus. Yeah. A Andrew says, uh, that doesn't sound like a lovely conversation at all. He's referring to the final conversation with the head of the bank. Well, no, you guys, no one was screaming, no one was pointing fingers on or uh, pointing gun on you. It could have been worse. It's pretty normal, a normal <laughs> intelligent conversation when you have people kind of, they talking about some possible options. And uh, just like we, you and I are going to chat right now, no one yeah. is going to blink, blink in an eye. 
that's just it's just a business like nothing personal so well, it's it, not a movie that might have been about the conversation with the bank it might also have been about your conversation with your wife how when you got home how did you like tell her that what went down well the good news about my wife she's got the same trainings i said as i am even better uh so we are can discuss some things without going into panic right and i'm really happy about that uh the um kind of one side effect i can say in our house we never asking how was your day because we know it so kind of it was kind of that this thing is kind of out of plate at all so we don't need to say anything it's like that's so um uh, i initially i was of course I, of course i was nervous i'm not just kind of uh there's i'm not idiot who kind of going in a stone wall and say we're gonna leave no i i i had some of course emotion uh and um but she took it as as it is like it's there is no way out like we have to do something that's it so it was no panic no tears nothing she was in this moment she was acting as a professional i right. guess that's what i can say like that's uh and that's great uh soulful disco says cheers to the team house and mr jan newman um he's enjoying the interview thank you man cc says he's loving the interview uh andrew says you know vodka and chocolate milk is not bad either i guess that's one way to make a white russian <laughs> A uh, small recipe from Dominican Republic, which uh, guys from doing the kiting and the surfing uh, taught me. Uh, we had long evenings like doing the chat, and I, I, again, still no idea with why they've been calling it Dutch. But anyways, cocktail calls Lumumba, and uh, it was um, chocolate ice cream, some ice. It was Kalua, it was vodka. Uh, they add some milk in it. And it was some any it was some other liquor with a chocolate taste in it as well so it was like i mean maybe in a whiskey it was a kind of a killing thing so one glass is gonna put down the elephant but it was and a glass there it was like size big like as um like a beer glass but it's really tasty that sounds like, amazing that's, that's amazing like yeah i mean one of it was one was was enough for me and then you have to like at least like 30 minutes just to stay on the, on, the, on, the, <laughs> on, on your on your fifth button just to be sure that you can walk after it so uh jerry says mola debts i had also <laughs> do you remember your number uh yes but i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> alejandro <laughs> saying we missed some questions but uh if there yeah, are go ahead, guys i ask if there are i can't I, I can't see them um Yeah, I, I don't know if it like times out or the, you can't get to them on the chat. I didn't say that we missed. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, here we go. Okay, so one well, one more. This is the last question I'm going to take. Uh, Alejandro asks, uh, he, he's asking about your wife, if you met at work, workplace romance. And we, we haven't really gone in depth. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit, how, how you guys met and how that happened? Yeah. Um... I slightly abused my status as a higher rank than she is. She was, um, so I was with several guys from the special ops. We've been punished for some activity. Um, it was it went a bit out of books, and we've been sent into the um, uh, kids' summer camp as a as a as a uh, punishment. So my partner was sent to uh, North Caucasus for six months, and I was sent for several months uh, into the kids' camp honestly based on what he was telling me it's a bit i'm not sure what was better to go to the north caucus or stay in this kids camp uh because when uh where he was stationed there was on the top of the mountains uh they had the fresh meat and the wine almost uh, on a daily base nothing was happening they're not going much anywhere 
uh, and locals guys been really supportive because they've been trying to avoid any confrontation with the federal forces. Uh, as for um, my thing, uh, it, it was directly ordered to the um, head of this camp, Colonel, do not let us out, means me and the guys, few guys from the special ops, because we are on a punishment. So we should not go back to the office by all means. So keep us inside. It means, because we're out of his jurisdiction, he can't give us any orders. We've been drinking and behaving quite not well, even inside this facility. Um, so yeah, and Victoria, uh, she was there as a, like a summer practice, like more like psychologist, just to do some work. And of course, and of course, kind of yeah, I I, I noticed her. And, uh, <laughs> that's how the whole thing started. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. I we actually had. I think it was because of the lag uh, that that people didn't hear his last question, and we got two last. Do I do these two last ones, and then we'll... yeah, go ahead, guys. Okay, yeah, two more. Uh, Jan, does it surprise you that Gorbachev was never assassinated? I know a lot of the older Soviets and even new Russians consider him to be the main reason for the dissolution of the Soviet Union. The dissolution of the Soviet Union is not that big of a problem. The main problem is that he has blood on his hands for all of this um, ethnical conflicts all around the former Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. The way the Soviet Union uh, dissolution or dismissed or fell apart is basically his fault because he was not able to find the right way how to do it peacefully mm -hmm. to avoid all these casualties and all this unnecessary blood and the conflicts all around the area where lots of people lost their lives and families been destroyed. Uh, so that was the main his main fault uh and I, my personal opinion i think uh he's among of the few leaders uh for the russian history who were completely not ready and incompetent to run the countryside like that so he should stick with some kind of uh, running some political committee in some small district somewhere in the russian south or north wherever there's somewhere but not to get into the into the main office Okay, so this is, for, just like, yeah. this, is, this is for real the last question. <laughs> KT asks, please ask him of his opinion of the Yuri Nosenko case, if he is familiar with it or otherwise. If not, then ask him about governor company ownership. So I, I don't, do you know the, about board. the Nosenko case? Yuri Nosenko? If I, I, guys, let's just, I mean, I'm, it's already two and a half hours of this. Um, it is the guy who went to the united states and then went back to the soviet union is this the one i just don't remember i don't remember either so yeah it's it's something from uh 80s, i guess let's see here yuri nasenko uh, uh was a kgb officer who defected to the united states in 1964 uh and then went back Held in detention, was accepted, then he became an American citizen, a consultant working as a trainer for the CIA. Um, concerns that he was a double agent. I'm just like breezing through the... No, like the, the, the answer is no, no, guys. That's the great question to the person whom I really know well. His name is Andrew Hammond, and he is the official curator of the International Spy Museum. Okay. Guys, if you have any questions uh, about the history of the espionage, that's the the right place to go so uh um that's yeah, yeah. It's James, kind of we we really appreciate your time we know we've kept you way, yeah. way over what what we initially said and and uh but we we appreciate we appreciate everybody joining us tonight yeah i do um Jan, can i keep you just for like 10 minutes uh to talk about your we have in the show so 
Wait, we need to know what's coming up because we have we have almost American that people can get. Issue one is out now. And then Red Atlantis, the entire series. Red is Atlantis. Out. Right? This one? Yes. Um, yep. And then your your story is coming out of, uh, as a graphic novel. Well, the comic books are coming out now. Right. Yeah, right. the almost American. Right. That's, that, that's, that's there. And actually, today we stopped our interview right in the moment when we... Uh, been, um, where the, where the every, comic every, book picks up. Basically, yes. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yes, that's perfect. Uh, so yeah, guys, if you want to learn how it was here in States, and there's a lot of really funny and cool moments, yeah, get there uh, almost American. And where can I find that, Jan? Uh, everywhere. It's uh, in all comic shops. You can go online for the comicsology. Uh, just Google it, almost American comic, uh, Aftershock uh, comics. Yeah. And you, you, you easily can find it. Like, that's uh, everywhere. Uh, if people, if you are in DC area, a few days ago I was in DC and uh, I went to the local shop called Phantom Comics. You can easily find it, and I signed all the copies they had. So wow. if you want to have it, like yeah, you can get it there. Uh, and if and again, guys, if you want, that's totally up to you. Uh, if you really like some questions which been asked by um, viewers, maybe we can somehow arrange them a sign one signed copy. Red Atlantis and almost America. Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. up to you guys. Yeah, I, yeah, I, we can we can do it. We do a giveaway. For, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll for we'll figure something supporters. out um, um, for sure. So everyone, thank you for joining us tonight. Please remember to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell icon and select all notifications so you get notified next time we go live, uh, which will be next Friday at our usual time. We're going to have on the show David Phillips, who's a New York Times journalist. He's the author of Alpha. He wrote the book about uh, Eddie Gallagher's SEAL platoon. It's going to be spicy. It's a, it's a 400-page book. I finished reading it uh, about a week ago. It's pretty wild. So we'll be talking to David next episode. Um, Jan, again, thank you. Um, I'm going to ask you to stay just for like another yeah. 10 minutes for the bonus segment. And um, that's it, guys. That's the show. We'll, we'll see you next week, and thank sure. you for joining us. And Jan, any, any final things you, you want to plug before, uh, before we go? No, guys, it was great. I mean, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I mean, if you have more questions, if you want to talk more, that's totally up to you. Uh, guys, you can maybe arrange another interview. I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah, um, I'd yeah. love to. So that's, that's great, guys. And everyone who watches, thank you so much for your time and spending your lovely Friday evening on me. So that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, really, really appreciate it. We appreciate you spending your Friday evening with us and, and our, our viewers. Um, and you know we don't want you to get in trouble with your wife because you've been hanging yeah, out with us so long i'm always in trouble so <laughs> hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.